Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. So tonight we're talking about breakups, how to get over a breakup and divorce. I think um, in any any kind of breakup or divorce is never going to be it's never going to be easy. But by by simple, what I mean is that it's a clear choice, um, and once you know what you need to do, then it's not necessarily going to be easy. But it's simple that you know what you have to do. What we'll do um, to start with uh, into the breakout rooms. Um, and the question is, is to discuss your last or worst breakup story. What happened? How did you get through it? And what worked in getting over breakups and what didn't? Okay, so uh, in the breakout rooms, we're going to be uh, 12 minutes. Gosh, it's never enough time. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? How was the discussion? I find it very, very interesting because it's good to hear other people's perceptions and understanding of similar situations, yet the, the facets, the slants are very different. So it's very important to hear a different perspective. Hmm. I, re- I really um, value this, you know, because yeah. if you are in, in your head too much, you can only see it that way and it's horrible. Hmm. This is this is really where where I can see relationships differently is that because I was seeing all different people's perspectives and I was looking at it from a different level. Um, I was seeing the same thing, same thing, same thing over and over again. Whereas when you're in it, it feels like it's unique. Yeah. Right, I think everyone's back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, who who wants to share and who wants to? Who's got something? They took from that discussion. Under silence. Um, is anyone no, got... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, Ob. Um, I was just going to say that um, in, in our group, I think um, we, we, we all sort of came to a conclusion um, about the relationship without any sort of fireworks. It wasn't an explosive kind of, oh... Uh, you know, and a big to do and that kind of thing. Um, people came to the realization that it was no longer working. Um, some of us have um, have not been able to make a clean breast of the relationship because there are other factors involved which keep that person um, around. They're, 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 they're still present in, in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, having regrets about how you go about it is one of the things that, you know, um, you leave it with unresolved issues, not having discussed, aired, um, not finding out uh, what the important issues were that led to the breakup or would lead you to, to, to get to that point. Um, for myself, it, distance um, is, is a factor. Living in different countries. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's a common factor. 
Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Okay. okay. Anyone else have anything interesting to know, or or like what worked, what didn't work, or or anyone who's stuck maybe at the moment? I share that. I think in our group, a uh, lot of people did a long distance relationship and okay. find out it doesn't work. They understand that it doesn't work, but they might have feeling of feeling of fear of the breakup because they, they still have feeling on the guys. It happens to me and the, one of the ladies in my group as well. It, she is struggling uh, because she has still have feeling on the guy she's dating with. Um, but uh, I, but I'm um, in my in terms of my personal experience, I just ended the relationship last week because my ex boyfriend find uh, he does, cannot see the future between me and him. I was. I thought it's gonna be a very hurtful long-term healing process, but I didn't expect that I recover quicker than I expected. I'm feeling very. I'm feeling fine at the moment. Although sometimes I still can think about it, but I find it's a very. It's a natural, and I accept it. Um, the reason why I attend this event is because I want to hear different experience of people's and uh, maybe I can learn something from those experience. Okay. Okay. Um, is anyone else um, want to comment or is anyone stuck at the moment and would like to, to discuss any specific points they're stuck on? Yeah, I'm I'm completely fine now, but it did take me a long time and talking probably a couple of years to uh, get over the, my last relationship. Um, it was also a long distance relationship. I didn't mention that in the group, um, but yeah, the, the long distance relationships don't work. I've never heard of anyone that do. Um, the problem being was that when we broke up, it, it was literally like somebody had died. So it was me that ended the relationship because it was just untenable, nothing to do with the distance, but just because they, how they behaved, you know, there, there was violence in the relationship. Um, there was a lot of anger uh, from them, not from me. And I just couldn't put up with it anymore. But then once, because of the manipulation involved, uh, that even though I ended the relationship, it made me feel like I'd done the wrong thing. There was a lot of guilt. Um, and then the problem was that I then, as throughout the the, um, the relationship, I forgave them. And then once that forgiveness come 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 in, they moved on and went with somebody else. Um, and I found that at the time um, very very hurtful. So it was almost like a grieving process, really. Suppose like somebody had died. That's how it felt. And it was like everything I did, everything everywhere I went, I carried that that pain I had with me, I didn't want to. Um, and also I felt that the only way to get through that was to meet somebody else. But the way I kind of broke the spell was um, one day I just thought to myself, well, 
what's a victim? A victim is somebody that needs to be rescued. And I was looking to be rescued by somebody else. And if you are a victim, then you're powerless and you're putting all of your energy, all of your resilience into somebody else. At the time, I wanted to get back with her because she was the one that was going to be rescuing me. But I realized that I didn't have to put my energy into somebody else. Um, so that was how I got through it by realizing I wasn't a victim anymore. The problem that I face is that because I do, I am a forgiven person. I think that is a weakness. And, you know, I've recently been involved in with a girl who I work with and it wasn't going anywhere. I've deleted a number I've, and I'm not texting her. I've got no intention of texting her. There's no, you know, nothing nasty is taking place. But I'm still sitting here even now thinking I'd quite like her to send me a message. And I just think, well, why is that? Why am I thinking that when I know it's, I know it's wrong? So I think there's an inherent weakness somewhere within my character that I'm looking to address and, and kind of resolve. Mm. So if she were to message you, what would that give you? Well, that's what I've been kind of asking myself. Um, I don't know the answer. I suppose it's, I suppose it's, you know, because when we were together, there was not, I wasn't excited. I wasn't excited being in a company. and I wasn't excited without being moved in the bedroom. I wasn't excited being in a company when we were sitting down on the sofa. I'm not excited being with her in work. But she's a very attractive girl. Um, and I think that has been always been my weakness. When, it, you know, when someone's got a pretty face, mm. I, I, it is a weakness of mine. I don't know the answer to that. And mm. maybe that's something I'm trying to find out. You know? okay. So would it be like validation that makes you feel like she um, wants you and therefore that kind of like validates? I think, that, I think but potentially deep down, there is some sort of validation there. Um, but I think I do tend to fall for people quite quickly. Um, and I'm very successful in many areas of my life from, you know, I don't have a mortgage, for example. I've got a really good job. I've got a nice car. So from a materialistic point of view, I've got all that. And I suppose the one thing I don't have is a relationship. And is it because you don't have it that you want it? I don't know the answer. Okay. Um, before we move on, is anyone else want to share anything from there? Well, yeah, can I just... Yeah, oh, sorry. Sure. No, carry on. Um, I just really kind of identified, sorry, I didn't get your name, but your uh, point alan. Alan, alan just your point about grief like my marriage ended after well it was a relationship for 35 years and i when it when it ended i didn't even know who i was um because i felt when i when the relationship started i was kind of quite young and then we'd had all this life together and i i just struggled to really kind of think about my own identity um that's why i knew i couldn't go straight into another re relationship because i didn't know I, I needed to get grounded um certainly before i could even think about that and, and and just find out exactly who i was rather than kind of rush into something to try and just validate me and i know that's what my ex has done. I'm not saying he's done that to validate himself, but he's moved on very quickly. And I just knew 
I had to do some work on myself before even being ready to be in that position. So, yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Can I just say, um, in my situation, I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hi, sorry. I didn't, I think I thought I'd muted myself before. Um, very similar to yours, sorry, I didn't catch your name. Um, Laura. Laura. Hi, Laura. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, same, well, not 35 years, but 29 years with my husband. And we split up about six weeks ago. It was myself that left. And um, because the relationship had just, you know, it, it totally ended. Um, and it was myself that did it. I moved away. I took nothing with me. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me. And I am now grieving massively. I, sometimes it's for him even though I know it's not going to work but it's mainly for what I've left I should never have left I think I must have been going through some really weird stage because I don't know where I found the strength I did it myself I planned it for about a month I told him I was going and I planned it for about a month I bought all the things from a new house I was on a bit of a I don't know a homemaking trip I don't know I was enjoying it I was excited and then I moved into my house and two days later, it just totally hit me when I was driving down the road and I had a massive panic attack. I was absolutely gutted. And it was like, and I didn't know who I was. I said, well, mm. <laughs> I don't think I still do, but it just mm. hit me massively. And I'm not saying that I want to get back with him. I feel that I do, but I think it's my life I want, not him. And that's really hard. And I'd like to hear people's stories of how you deal with that. Because I know everyone says, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll look back and you'll be so happy. And this, that, and the other. But at the moment, I can't see it. It's like a fear. It's like a massive hole in my life. But as I said, it's more my, because it, I moved areas as well. Um, and I work in a school, so it's a six weeks holiday. So obviously, and the weather's not so good. Um, but I'm just going out every day, um, getting in my car and just seeing where it takes me, you know, and I do get by every day, but I hate coming back to the house. Um, and it's just, it's the grief, you know, and, but he hasn't died, thankfully, and I don't want him to, um, but it's losing everything, you know, and now mm. I think, why did I do it? I know why I did it, but I can't believe mm. I had the strength because I haven't got that strength now. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it, it's, well, it's not good. I wish somebody would have spoken to me before and said, really think about it. You know, perhaps I've done it when I was more um, perhaps mentally stable. I'm not saying I wasn't. I don't think I was mentally stable to be able to do it like I did. You know, I just did it all on my own. I even physically moved on my own. Um, and I've had to buy everything new. Um, it, it's just, it's not what I thought. Well, I, I think the very nature of, of how you're going to feel at that time means that you're going to be clouded with emotion. Um, and so, so it isn't, and, and it is basically a grief because you, you've lost something, you know, as you lose someone, when someone dies for all intense purposes, that relationship has died. And so there's that grief. I don't know if you know about the, the five levels of grief, uh, Kubler-Ross, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five levels of grief, which is uh, denial, like shock and denial. Um, I've forgotten them all now. Shock and denial. Um, there's bargaining. Um, 
There's depression and acceptance, I think. Yeah, eventually it comes around to acceptance. Depression. Sorry? Depression as well, I think, is in there. Obsession. Depression. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but it, but I think of it as like, like there's a change curve as well, where anything you do that you feel like maybe you're excited when you're going to do it, and then suddenly the reality hits in and you go right down and you go down, down, down. And then there's this big dip and you, when you don't feel that you're ever going to get over it, then it's when it starts to rise up. Um, yeah. I, I don't really want to accept at the moment and I don't, yeah. because that's too hard to accept it. Yeah. Um, because then it's real, isn't it? And then it's like, what do I do now? Yeah. So I keep thinking, well, let's see what I'm doing in a year, you know, because we've not put the house on the market or anything because I don't know what's going to happen really. Um, so, and but I've, I'm not, I've moved into a new house um, that I'm renting and I suppose it's a stigma of that as well. But then I just keep thinking, well, I have got a home, but I can't even, you know, I've not even unpacked some of the cases yet because I'm still in denial, really. Yeah. Even though I did it, even though it was me that walked away, and it was the right thing to do. What but is this stigma? Sorry? What is this stigma that you're referring to? There isn't. There isn't. I shouldn't say it like that. That's not right. I think it's because it's not my home. I don't ah. feel it's my home. And yet I've got a lady that's moved in next door. She's really lovely. Uh, she, she ended a relationship six years ago. And she's renting as well. And she's like doing the house up and she's doing it. And I, I'm looking at her and I'm thinking... I can't do that because this isn't my home. You know, this isn't real. I'm not staying here. I don't know. It's like, it's, all, it's just weird. It's just, mm. yeah. And I feel like I'm being pathetic. I know I am. You're not. Yeah. So not. I'm, no. No. Yeah. Some days I feel like I'm losing my mind. It's like, you know, and it's just. It's such a brave thing to do. Such a brave thing to do. Mm. Yeah, can I ask you a question, Lean? Can I ask you, had he stopped you going and leaving, would you have gone right back? Is that what you were hoping, that he would stop no. you? Well, actually, no. Well, it, it was strange because, well, we hadn't, we'd, we'd had, you know, sort of, we... we we were always arguing and then we had this huge fallout and we really didn't speak for about four or five weeks and I realized that I thought if I don't leave this is still going to be my life in 10 years time 20 years time and I thought if I've only got 20 years left at least I can be happy sorry but so I did tell him I was leaving um and about four days before I moved into the house, he sent me a message whilst I was at work saying, I don't want you to go. I never have. You know, how can you throw all these years away? And I went into an absolute panic and I felt sick because I didn't want him to be upset and sad. I didn't want him to stop me. And I absolutely panicked at work. And the thought that I would have to hurt him. Um, and then that was it. He didn't speak to me again and he still really hasn't. Because uh, I just said I'd made my mind up. Um, I wish now I'd have I would have perhaps reflected on that. I wish now I probably shouldn't have gone when I did. You know. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It sounds very much like you could actually go back. No, I can't go back. He doesn't want me back at all now. I think I've really hurt him. 
he's not being very nice now. He, he says I've done him a big favour. And I, I, I'm wondering if it's because now I know he doesn't want me. That's why I want it. You know. So complicated. So difficult. Sorry. The truth, the truth is, you know, there's your story, there's his story, and he, he's her, and he's he's going to tell you one thing, but he, it doesn't necessarily mean how he, how he necessarily feels. Yeah, yeah. He said he'll always be grateful for me, to me for, um, you know, for going, and that was like a massive smack in the face, and that's when the panic started. Um, okay. And I don't like myself for that, you know. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if I'm being a bit sketchy myself, and that's not fair. Really, but mm, okay. Well, we care for what you wish for. We will. We're going to work through some of these questions um, in moving forward. Um, I, I think I don't know if Mum Mum was about to say something as well. Yeah. Hi. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, you can. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my problems seem a bit trivial compared to what you've just said, actually. But sorry, I couldn't remember your name. Uh, Lynn. Lynn. Lynn, yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. You definitely, obviously, you're going. Through, it's a difficult situation going through. But I mean, I'm I'm single, and I guess my problem. I just wanted to come here because I thought it'd be really interesting, and just to find out more. And you know, I'm always interested in these things. But I guess my issue is like, um, sort of like, I struggle getting into relationships. I struggle. I've been single for years, you know, um, and. Uh, I think I have like attachment issues, you know, I think I've kind of got some sort of attachment issue, like issue about attachment or intimacy, probably stemming from things in my childhood, which I won't get into, but basically I kind of str struggle with relationship. And I I'm sometimes feel like, it's like, I'm not sure whether I want to be in one or not. And, and most of the times I, I sort of feel that I'm okay. I like being single, but then there's times mm. when I do feel a bit lonely, you know, and there's times when I can feel like, um, I think especially in the last few months with the pandemic, mm. it did kind of hit me quite hard, like, because I'm quite independent, I live on my own, and like I said, I've been single for many, many years, you know, very rarely, I've not really been in that many relations in my life anyway, probably just one that was quite, seemed quite serious many years ago, but, um, yeah, and I've always felt well. I'm I'm okay, you know. I'm fine. I can. I've lived on my own, you know, for years. And but then I think with the pandemic, it it suddenly it, being on your own wasn't really that attractive anymore. And it was just like it wasn't a nice place at times. Like it just felt really, really lonely at times. Uh, I'm okay now because we've been in it for quite a while now. I've kind of adjusted, but it just I couldn't see my family. I couldn't see my mom. I also have a disability, you know. Um, you know, Rob Knowles have mentioned this in the email, but I'm actually visually impaired, you know, so I have, phys uh, you know, sight impairment and, uh, you know, I don't drive. Getting around is a bit more difficult. And so I just, it just hit me a bit hard, quite hard with the lockdown. And, and there are times I felt, gosh, you know, I wish I was with someone right now. <laughs> but, I, but I think that was just that immediate sort of desperation. But, I, you know, now that I've set, things have settled down, uh, you know, yeah, I, you know, you, yeah, so I don't know. I think at times I'm just a bit confused whether I want to be with someone or whether I want to be single. I think mm. sometimes I have that issue. But yeah, so that's that's it really. I won't bore you with any more. But yeah, that's <laughs> kind of really, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, so I'm just going to, we're just going to move on and, and try and work through. Um, I was, I was... Zoom group. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. 
Sorry, that's just my speech in the background. It just speaks. No problem. What I'm going to do, I'm going to mute everyone, but just unmute yourself if, uh, if you want to speak. All right, let's go. So I was thinking about what, what's going to be the most best use of our time, um, given that we're, we're quite limited um, in time for such a, a big topic. And um, I've written, like on my website, I think I've got a guide to um, getting over a breakup where I talk about the grief and the, the different stage, stages um, of grief and, and what you can do. But really, I think there's, when you boil it down, getting over a breakup is about the stories that we tell ourselves. And it's the stories that we tell ourselves about how it ended, about that give us guilt, that make us feel, um, you know, are we making the right decision or whatever. That everything that we do in our life, what gives meaning to it is the narrative that we talk about. So... Um, if, you, if you've ever read or heard of uh, Viktor Frankl and his work, Man's Search for Meaning, um, he was a Holocaust survivor and he talked about how even in, in Auschwitz, where he was, he said there were good people, there were bad people, there were happy people not, and uh, sad people. And, and his message coming out of that was that it's not so much the objective situations because when you think about it, someone in a, like living in Auschwitz where so many people are, like all their relatives have been killed and, and daily people have been taken away to be killed. You would think no one could be happy, but his message was, it's not the situation. It's the meaning that you make out of that situation. And so there's a couple of the, the quotes here are, are just really about, what determines our life is our narrative. Um, and what makes the world is the stories that we make of the world. Um, and so really a breakup is about three key stories. So the first one is the story of the past. And this is the story of, of the relationship. And what I've, I've done here is kind of rose tinted because often when we break up, the fact that we've broken up meant that the relationship didn't work for one of us or maybe both. And so there was some research recently that 65% of people aren't over a breakup. And this is married people, not just single people, married people like 20 years on are still kind of hung up on an ex. And that's all about the story. And when I spoke to people who, who are stuck and like stuck for 10 years, 15 years after a breakup, and when you talk to them, it's like, well, oh, they were the love of my life and go, well, how do you know? Like, you're, you know, the next person you get into a relationship with could be the love of your life. I said, oh, no, but that would mean, that would mean I wasn't, um, that that relationship wasn't that important. Um, and so people get invested in their story of the relationship in the story of the past of the way that they behaved and, and what could have been. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into a breakout. And this is the question is what is, was your story of your last relationship? And 
what, where, is, where is it that you're getting stuck? So there's one of three places that we can get stuck and it's usually in all three. This is why it's so difficult to get over a breakup because we've been in this relationship and, and where we saw ourselves going, where we saw our future was tied to someone else. And so when the relationship goes, it feels like our future has been cut off. So this is the topic we're going to discuss. So what is, was the story of your last relationship? And where might you be getting stuck? Okay, so we're going to go into breakout rooms. Um, do you think 10 minutes is going to be enough? Or do you think you've covered some of this already? What's the general consensus? Six minutes, 10 minutes? Six. 10? 10? Okay, do you want 12? So everyone's got three minutes each, if you want to. Yeah? Okay. All right, breakout rooms for 12 minutes. I'll send you a message halfway through and then a three-minute warning. In terms of the story of the past, does anyone want to talk on that? I know exactly, if I may be permitted, I know exactly what um, what the narrative was for me because it wasn't just a person. It was the dream of uh, achieving something together, which was really, really quite substantial because the brain started to... Hello? Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, the brain obviously build a lot of hope and a lot of imagery based on on that narrative you know that we were planning to do certain things and then it all collapsed because i feel i was sincere but he wasn't he gave me an illusion he made me believe that he was on board uh, going towards the same goal and actually he wasn't so it all collapsed and it's like that lady was saying, it's a grieving process because the dream has died. It's not just the person. <laughs> it's an awful situation when the dream dies. It's, it's your life story at that moment in time and what it represents. So that's why it's so hard. I think I can relate to I that. Think, I think you're absolutely right there. That's what people have told me. It's your dream that's gone. What you thought was going to be your life has gone. Yeah. It's yeah. not just the person, it's what you thought your life. And that's the scary bit, because you all of a sudden you're on very shaky ground. That's right. But we need to learn to be patient and to construct another dream. It may be an alone dream, I don't know. Or it may be that we meet somebody else. But I think we need to believe. We need to somehow try and fight and believe that there are multiple possibilities. This is what I'm trying to construct in my mindset at the moment. Yeah. It's ended. And all of us, yeah. yeah. No, I, t I really identify with the idea of like a dream dying. And then it's so easy that all of a sudden the past becomes this magical land that was safe and secure. <laughs> and with no dream, the future is just terrifying. It's just a barren wasteland of nothingness. You, 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 it can be really hard to visualize anything. I found to, to visualize anything positive because 
I just kept looking at the past and focusing on the loss and what, what I wasn't going to have. And it's only since I've been working through this, working through the, this, that I've actually been able to believe that I will just have another life, which will be just as good, but it will be different. That's right. And that, I, d- I didn't believe that. People said that to me. And I, in my heart, I was thinking, I don't believe that. But now I'm just starting to think, yes, yeah. I think that it will be a different life, but I will really work to make it a good life. Yeah. Can I, can I ask how long it's taken to, to get to that way of thinking? Um, well, I mean, we, we split up properly last September and then we tried to reconcile and then it all went pear-shaped again in November. And from kind of December through till about May, I was like a zombie. I just, I just kept breaking down to my daughter saying, I can't live without him. I, I, honestly, I was like, I was pathetic. Just like this sad human being. But since then, I don't know what's happened. Just things have started to shift. I've started to just believe in myself, find myself again. And I'm not, I'm just hopeful. I I feel good in myself. Um, And that makes me just believe that life can be happy again. I think what you're saying there is um, if you're saying that, you, you, what's changed is your belief. So you still sat in the same, you still sat in the same four walls, but your mindset has changed. So reality is what we believe. A conservative will believe. A Labour's rubbish. Labour will believe. Conservatives rubbish. Who's right? Who's wrong? You know, it's not for us to argue about that now. But it's belief. Whatever you believe in becomes your reality. And we've all got, also got something called expectation. So expectation is our view of the future what we believe to be happy. If we book a holiday to Spain, we think it's going to be sunny, we think there's going to be sand, we think there's going to be nice people there. If, it's not, if it rains every day, the people are horrible, the food, food's awful, the hotel's bad. It hasn't met with our expectations, so therefore that's where the trauma comes in. Mm. So mm. Our, fault, our prediction of what the future or control is what causes pain. So if we're in a relationship with someone and we think, yeah, that relationship's going to go really well, in two years' time, I'm going to get engaged, then I'm going to get married, then I'm going to have children. If that doesn't happen, you find out that person's had an affair, then it hits. But if someone was to give you the heads up and go, oh, by the way, in two years' time, that person's going to cheat on you, then it's not going to be so bad because you'd expect it. But it's about building up, I was saying in the previous group, what I've learned, it's about building up the best relationship with yourself that you can. Because otherwise, if you do not do that, you're always going to be looked to be rescued by somebody else. And then if that relationship goes wrong, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, then you're going to be back in the same position. And you ain't going to be 20, you ain't going to be 30, you ain't going to be 40, you ain't going to be 50. It could be 50, 60, 70, 80. And then what do you do? Because time is running out. We have a, a limited amount of time on this earth. And once you change as a person, once you become a better person, then you will attract that level of energy towards you. So if you're desperate 
if you're if you're in pain constantly, you're not going to walk outside and someone's going to throw their arms around you and go, everything's going to be okay. That life doesn't work that way. It's only once you go, you know what? I am comfortable on my own. I do. I am in love with myself because of my attributes. Mm. I'm not in love with myself from a, um, you know, a sycophantic, um, negative point of view. But it's about being aware of what qualities you have to bring to yourself, to other people, yeah. and then making that way. And you know what? If someone can, somebody else can't see that they're not, they're not there. Hard luck. Maybe they're not on the same page as you. But yeah. that is the advice I would give to anybody. Build the best relationship with yourself because once you do that, people react differently to you. I have a question. Um, you mentioned something very interesting, I find. The concept of the dream. Yes. And um, trying to get make that dream a reality. And there is the dream... But there is the person who is the relationship, and it's—is it that the person is not enabling the dream to become a reality? Therefore, the person has lost their magic, um, or is it, you know, no. I'm trying to that because there is a role, there is a relationship that's separate from the dream or the the realization of this dream, and ideally. That perfect relationship would enable you to achieve the dream. But yes. somehow, if you get that out of balance, then it's like the dream becomes everything and the relationship, the person is lost. Now, what, I'm what I was trying to say, Sandra, and I still believe in the dream, which in a way equates to, to some degree to expectations, like the gentleman just said. It just happened, it slotted into this great big package that I met that person through a mutual friend. And the whole package, the person, the dream that we constructed together, it just fueled my, a lot of energy in me. And I'm not young anymore. Uh, I'm 62, so I didn't expect it to happen. I'm not a serial person in relationships. So it was a big deal for me. And the person built that dream together with me. He's at the same age. And then further down the line, it transpired also because of the long distance that he probably wasn't actually serious about the relationship and the dream, that he became inconsistent. And it left me, well, with collapsing the whole thing. But I think the dream is lovely to have. Um, I, I see nothing wrong in, in that. I see that the dance, the dance between us and building that dream, one of us just couldn't dance anymore. So I'm not even blaming him. I'm just saying that it meant so much to me. So yes, it's okay to be self-sufficient, which I am. Uh, I was a professional. I, you know, it's not like I'm craving relationships all the time. This was, like I said, an accidental relationship through a mutual friend. I wasn't looking, uh, but I still believe in the beauty of a relationship. I, I think that it is much better to be in the right relationship if it's with the right person and having the right dream than to be alone, no matter how self-sufficient and good a relationship with myself I have. I agree with you. I really agree with you. 
My concern was really about balance, though. Um, well, one of the things is, is balance. Yes, we all, we all have um, a concept of what will make us feel fulfilled. In other words, the dream, the perfect, the, the, what would make us the, the relationship and make us happy. You know, you're in a relationship, everything is working fine. But um, for me, there's the balance. Does the dream take precedence over build, building and keeping the relationship? No, it was and a I'm package. Not, not it was a package. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. It was, he came with a package. He suddenly said he wanted the same thing as me to achieve the same thing. That's what I mean. It's not like I was dreaming it, you know, out of balance. It just happened. We, mm. we seem to be on the same page. Mm. Oh, no, I wasn't asking about you specifically. I was just thinking in abstract. It, um, you, yeah, no, you know. I, I, Sandra, I hear what you're saying as well, but I think it's... Um, you both have to want the same things at the start about what you want in the future um and i think the, what the other lady is explaining is that in her situation they thought they both wanted the same thing but he kind of sold her a lie does that make sense yeah it does yes i get that part but there is um but 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 still sometimes there are people who will keep trying because there, um, th th there is still hope that maybe the dream will still become a real reality if you try, mm -hmm. if you keep trying. Yeah, because one of them is sort of thing. What I, th I think what oh. Sandra's saying is, I think you can have hopeless romantics. Um, and I think, you know, going back to when we were talking about the fairy tale framework of, mm -hmm. um, and as Alan said, the expectations, if your expectations are set up, for something that's unrealistic which i think is is the underlying romantic myth for a lot of people is that they're going to have a relationship without any problems no sorry we're not talking about the same thing at all here at all i'm sorry with all due respect uh, i'm saying that in my case as it happened the relationship was not fantasy we met through a friend we suddenly saw that we are constructing in old age you know, have a cottage, rear chickens, have a natural, organic life, that kind of a dream, not about romanticizing, just settling in old age. And, you know, that's all basically. <laughs> that's all I was saying. And um, again, I wasn't talking specifically about your situation. I know, but, but I wanted to make a point that this generalization took it away from my narrative the, sto the the question was what was the story in my relation or in our relationship okay okay so right if we deal with the, the the narrative in your relationship so there but the narrative so you had this narrative and which built the dream and it was the dream that gave you the energy, it was the dream that gave you the enthusiasm, the dream that gave you the passion and the feelings of having And the person, and the person. But it, it was the dream, like the person is kind of like the conduit to how you think you're going to get. No, okay. not okay. at so, all. So, so tell me about so the person. So it was the person, 
it was a person who happened to want the same thing as me and then it diluted further down the line within three years it just collapsed and it left me it left me feeling that i you know that's that's it i, I don't want to create another situation like this that's it you know it left me not hopeful anymore although i would like to be in a proper relationship and i believed in that relationship and i also think we get addicted to the person when it works well and that's why it's even harder to let go but i did let go and i let go of my dream as well which we constructed together so it was a whole package the narrative was the person the beautiful time and the dream of settling in old age and it's all gone that's all i'm saying and it's hard but i've accepted it took the initiative to break up and that's it at the moment but it's hard it's very very hard okay and anything so, that hasn't happened is, is basically it is a, it's a non-reality or a dream so unless well, unless we are experiencing it then it hasn't it hasn't happened and it's a dream and that that is expectation that is what we believe to happen and, that's and what it we could have worked out it could have worked out you see it could have worked out oh yeah i'm not i'm not talking about whether it could or it couldn't what i'm saying is is every single person that has gotten that it's like you get a new, you get a new job you you will have expectations i.e. the dream is you'll You'll get on with your colleagues, it'll be a nice workplace, you'll get paid well, etc, etc, etc. It's all down to, all the future is expectation mm. or a dream. Mm. Mm. Okay, um, we'll, we'll move on to the next bit because um, I think some of that, like, so we have the, the narrative of the relationship of what happened. And then the next stage is um, to, the next stage is, is the story of you. Because what happens is the narrative of the relationship then comes back to the story of us. So, We'll break out again, um, and the discussion is about what is the story that you're telling? What does the reflection or, or what is the story about you say? And then does that empower you or does it trap you? Can we have an example, please? Well, the story about you? Um, yeah, just like a random example of what the answer might be. Okay. Just so we get an idea of how to answer it. Okay, so, so for example, someone has this excitement about their relationship. They have the idea, the relationship breaks up, they feel that they've lost that. Then what usually happens is there's kind of like a thought train of people go, well, that person rejected me, that person dumped me, that person didn't love me, there must be something about me that's unlovable. So that would be one narrative what does it mean does it mean you can't make relationships work does it mean people are there's something unlovable about you that's going to mean that none of your relationships are going to work out does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah okay so um we're running short of time so we'll do 10 minutes mm -hmm. 10 minutes enough okay yes. um 
Right, so everyone back. So we're talking about the story of you. Does anyone want to comment or? And I'm, I'm not entirely sure that I'm getting across the idea of like the story and the narrative. Is that clear for everyone? Yeah. So, so for me, we have to make sense of the world and we make sense of it from narrative. So a narrative is the story that we, we take up and this, that story can either crush us or it can um, make us elated and, and fill us with um, enthusiasm and ability. But it's always a story. It doesn't mean it's not true. Um, but what we have to be aware it is a story and drop it as soon as um, it doesn't work for us. I think so... You mean like no, sorry, Richard, go on. rewriting the story? Is that a concept? Like you can rewrite a story or have a new story? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So um, Joseph Campbell talks about the problem with religion, like religion or mythology should uh, be based on the technology of the day. And what we have with religion is we have a, um, a mythology that's based on 2000 year old out of date technology. Um, and so, yeah, we should update the narrative as soon as it's, it's proven not to be true. Richard, did you, did you have a point? Uh, I, I, I generally get it. I think the thing I'm, I wasn't too clear about is whether the story is specifically about relationships or generally about life. And then also whether it's your story or, like an inherited story. So, so like a girl I'm talking to at the moment, she, she's had a lot of struggles with her mother and her mother's story and, and her mother's story became her reality because she had to like bring up her younger sibling because her mother drunk a lot and things like that. So, so in a sense, that's a true story. It's not just a narrative that she, she tells herself, but, but I wasn't sure if, cause some people can be like really great at work, tell themselves, you know, that, that, you know, they can achieve anything they want. They can get the promotions they want, but that's a different story. They might tell themselves a very different story in a, in a relationship. So, so I was just trying to determine those two things. Is it, is this, are these, are you talking about stories that are specific about relationships and, and how much of the story is your particular story or just, just the story you inherit because we've all come up through. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else might've come up through a family where the parents, like my parents have been married nearly 60 years. So, my story is, you know, marriage can work and it can last and I've seen it. So, but is that my story or an inherited story? So that's where my struggle has been a little bit in the discussion. Okay. Um, it's a little bit like a cliff and you've got, you know, like fossils from thousands of years and you've got more recent. So there's layers and layers of story. And, and you know, when I'm talking about the fairy tale, I'm talking about like that's underneath all of the other layers that's a cultural that's pretty much universal then we've got individual stories we've got our own story from what happened yesterday that we're talking about and i think we have those we have those stories in all of our domains of life and it's a bit like netflix you can go on netflix and you can get documentaries you can get true stories you can get complete fantasies um all of them a narrative and some of them are true and some of them are useful and some of them aren't so it isn't that narratives aren't true it's it's when 
the narrative isn't based on truth. And we only know what true is as it unfolds. Can I ask you, please? I understood narrative to be the meaning we attach to what we've been through, whether it breaks us or it makes us. In other words, I feel that I've evolved, albeit through pain, but I have evolved and I have learned something from it. So that's my narrative, if this is what you meant by narrative, is the meaning I attach out of this drama, if you like, and break up. I have learned something. So that makes me feel that I've evolved. It hasn't destroyed me. I can carry on. Yes, I am sad. I have chosen to call it a day, but it's the meaning I'm attaching to it. So is that what you mean by narrative? Um, yes. Um, so it's, yeah. So basically what the message I'm trying to get across in, the, in these three stories is that, um, you know, people say it takes time to heal, but time is a, con is a human construct. Time doesn't actually exist, except that we made it. It's a way that we organize our experience, but time doesn't exist outside of our own human construction. You know, like, you know, animals don't have that sense, same sense of time. And a lot of time was created for the industrial revolution so that everyone could be at the factory at the same time. The time, so, the time does exist anyway. It's, it's the measurement of time that, that changes. So that's the perception. But time itself actually doesn't exist. So you're breaking up? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, but in the, in the sense that we, think we, we are like we're here at meeting at the same time. Um, and, yeah, there's a shared and, narrative. I get, yeah, I get so that. It, yeah. It is also in the sense of saying, Rob, um, about the story. This is how I understand it, and please correct me if I'm wrong. But because I, I work with people um, who have suffered trauma, that's that, that's my job role. And when they first come to see me, they will produce a narrative. You know, my name's John. Um, I suffer from PTSD because of X, Y, and Z. And then you'll often you'll say, how many times have you told that story, John? And they'll say, oh, 20, you know, 20 times. How long ago did it happen? 20 years ago. Who are you? I'm a victim. Why are you a victim? Because this happened. So by their narrative, they are repeating this consistent story over and over and over again, which makes them, in their eyes, who they are. Mm. So the way... I get them to change and develop who they are is by changing their story. By, t by focusing on the here and now rather than the past, because the past, and you mentioned about time, the past is dead. Everything in the past is gone. It's dead. There's no way we can get it back. There's nothing we can do to get it back. But the future can be changed, but the future can produce anxiety for people. And the anxiety in this case would be my relationship is broken. I'm never going to get another relationship that will be as good as that. Or no, you know, I'm older than what I was. The person I'm going to get with isn't going to be attractive. They're not, I'm not going to have the time to um, get to know that person, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, my story in that case was nothing's going, everything's doom and gloom, gloom there's no point. Yeah. However, to change that narrative, to change that story will be, you know what, that relationship's ended. However, 
uh, there's a possibility, there's every chance that things can change, that will change. I'm still a good person. I still got positive attributes. I love myself, whatever it might be. So you're changing your story away from the victim, which is what happened, to what can happen. Is that what we kind of yes. come from? Yes. So you've got a story that empowers you and a story that disempowers you. Um, and also there's a story that is based on reality because you could have an empowering story that was based on I'm fantastic. And, you know, like a, a lot of this motiv motivational speakers and things will pump people up. Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm, you know, I deserve it and that. And then the reality is that it's based on nothing. And so it collapses. So, yes. So it's empowering and disempowering, but it's also whether it's, a valid you have to have a story that's based on doesn't doesn't that rely on your judgment so say like for example if your judgment's not very good then how do you know when your narrative is in effect so it's it's in being sensitive it's in being sensitive to does it work does it bear out in reality um and then the the your results of you know like if your story is that like my story is i'm a great golfer um, and every time I go on the tee and, and smash it left and right and behind me, um, the reality shows me that, that that's not true. So um, my narrative of the, of the way is, is understanding, okay, I need to develop this. So it's the difference between like growth mindset of knowing that you can change things or believing that uh, you have a fixed. Um, so Carol Dweck, talks about mindset she talks about there being a, a fixed mindset which is people believe that they're fixed with traits and they can't change and therefore the results are fake um, and people believing that they have a growth mindset and believing okay i can change it if i develop the skills um and so it, it's so narrative is, is like steering a ship you know if you're bashing against rocks then there's something wrong with your narrative. If you're feeling stress and anxiety, there's something wrong in your narrative. So that's how you navigate with the sensitivity to how you feel and the results that you get. Can I say I disagree with this? I think it's absolutely essential to process emotions correctly is to go through the pain. I'm mm. sorry. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you go through... Uh, narrative without having the pain right but in it's order to in order to, sorry in order, okay so when you process so you've grown because you've processed the emotion so what did you do how did you go through the emotion by feeling it mm -hmm. by feeling the pain by mm -hmm. facing it by realizing by accepting by going through the whole gamma of whatever I was feeling and not denying or trying to suppress. So no. In maybe I misunderstood what yeah. you said. Yeah. What I heard, what I heard Rob was saying is if you're trying to move forward in your life and you keep hitting the same barrier or the same problem over and over again, I'm hearing and okay and look at this a different way. How I else can that's I what see. I was hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, Maybe I, that's the bit I missed. Sorry. Yeah. No, you go through the emotion, the pain is what tells you, like the pain is telling you, okay, the, there's a mismatch between the reality 
and the emotion that I feel. So no, you, you have to process the pain, but narrative is the way that you, you process the pain. The, the, it's feeling because the pain tells you what the reality is, reality and your um, current narrative. And it's that sensitivity to the pain um, and to the reality of what is and your narrative. And that's the way that you, you work through it. But the emotions are, are a critical part. Yeah, you can't, you can't just skip over them because that's our experience of life. And unless you go through that, yeah, it's, it's, that's where you get stuck. It's your emotions that you will, it's your emotions that alert you to things. Yeah, yeah. So, so your emotions are, are like the guy, you know, like if you're steering a ship, it's the emotions that tell you where you're steering. Can, can, I, can I just, I don't know what to call it, but aside from emotion, like, like I could have come out of my last relationship and said everything was her fault, right? Mm. Could have said that all the problems were on her, you know, she was this, she was that. Um, but there was also, an, obviously, there was an element of mistakes that I made. And I, after the, after the end of it, took some time to try and think about where, where, where could I have done better? Where were the things maybe she said that at the time I maybe didn't accept, but now I had more of a clear mind I could think about for the next relationship? Because cause at the end of the day, on average, I don't think any breakup is, is going to be all one person's fault. There's going to be, particularly when we all talk about miscommunication and stuff, that's a, that's a two-way thing and it, and it has you know, causes on, on both sides. So, so I suppose what I'm trying to ask is that I think there's, I think sometimes, I don't know how to put it, that a narrative, I mean, number one, you could tell yourself different narratives. So like I say, I could have come out of the race, it was completely her fault. There was nothing wrong with me and going to the next relate, or I did nothing wrong and going to the next relationship, but I haven't dealt with what were probably some real issues about things that I didn't do well, which I take into the next relationship. So, so surely sometimes your narrative, I think the hard, the hard thing is, it's, it's like, there's the fact it's like when they say there's like, there's the reality. And then there's, there's three sides to every story. There's yours, theirs and, 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 and the reality. Mm. So it's like the reality is the story and the narrative is how you interpret it. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is, even a narrative that causes you pain or to bash against rocks or whatever it is, I think can serve a purpose because if you're too quick to tell yourself a narrative that pulls you out of a situation or leaves you not processing mentally what happened, because it, it, relationships are not just emotion, you know, communication. I can't remember her name. You mentioned her recently at one of the TEDx speakers who talks about, she tries, she's had a conversation with her husband where she's, she went to him and said, um, this this is how I felt when you said this, or this is what I heard when you said this. So, so, so I think, as, so I j for me, I'm just a little bit cautious because I say a narrative has a purpose and yeah. I, I want to be, yeah. I, I don't want to, I think the tendency is if you retell the narrative is to retell your narrative away from the situation. So like the gentleman before yeah. who talked about people who'd been through tough situations in life and he gets them to retell their story. It, it feels like surely there's a bit of processing before because the, the narrative they carry almost has to be worked out or else you retell the story, but you haven't resolved, you know, Correct. 
you know, some real, yeah. The only problem is, is if something has to be worked out, then it leads to one question, and the question is why? And there is no answer to the question why. You know, the, the, you know why did that person hurt, hurt me? Why did, that, why did that person do that? Why did my mum leave me when I was five years old? Etc. Etc. And these are the things that I experienced in my uh, workplace. So we're talking about relationships in this case. But you can't answer any questions for anybody else. You can only ask, answer questions for yourself. And even answering the question for yourself might not be particularly useful. It can be the case that you just want to work out what you can do better in that next relationship as opposed to working out where it went wrong. So am I a respectful person? Do I communicate well? Am I loving? Am I caring? Um, do I listen? These, these, are, these are the questions that perhaps we should maybe look at ourselves towards, towards doing. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm purely talking about, and I'm very much talking about my situation, I am talking about asking yourself those questions, like, are there things that I could have done better in the relationship? Are there, what did I learn from the relationship? Because I challenge anybody to go through a relationship and not learn something. You've got to learn things, right? Because to me, I can go through things and it's worth it if I learn, because that's, I pay the price, but I got a learning, so I grow. And so, no, I'm not, these are not questions about why did she do this to me? Why did she, you know, but it's, 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 it's asking yourself, are there things I could have done? Because you can ask the question, say someone cheated, you could ask the question, why did she cheat on me? And just keep asking the question. Or you could ask, was there anything I did that could have led her to cheat? Or is there anything... I could have done better in the relationship to try and mean that she she didn't spend so much time away from home or whatever it is, you know. So so I'm very much talking about the questions you ask yourself. And I'm not asking people to hammer themselves, but I'm asking them to try and be honest because I think when you grow, I feel like the reflection I did after my last relationship, I'll be I'll be a lot better at my next relationship because I took time to ask myself the questions. And it wasn't a narrow it wasn't yeah, and I say, wasn't I telling myself like a narrative that was about beating myself up? It was just saying, on average, there were things you could have done better. What were they? Is it but I think what, you, what you're saying there, though, Richard, is it's a positive narrative that you're, you're right. taking. You're, you know, it's a positive narrative. Yeah. You're, not, you're not looking at it from a victim point of view. You're looking at it from a self-development point of view. Yeah. And there's a big difference. So that self-development that you're talking about is going to, when you, as you've just said, when you go into your next relationship, that's going to make you into a better person. Mm -hmm. So that's a healthy narrative that you're uh, adopted. Mm -hmm. So there's no criticism in that. There's definitely no criticism. It's, it's a positive attribute what your narrative is. Mm -hmm. You didn't adopt the narrative of, you know, why did she do this? And, you know, I must, there must be something wrong with me for it to behave in that manner. You've not done that. You thought, right, what can I do? You sat down, what can I do to make myself into a better person by working it out? And that is really positive. So that's a positive narrative. And that's what we should all adopt. It's a positive narrative. And I think that's what Richard's kind of... Rob's name. That's what um, Rob's coming across from, so... Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, there was just one point. I, I, I lost connection and, and went off, so I missed a lot of um, what you were saying. Um, but um, a lot of people go in straight into a narrative and their friends will be like, 
oh, it wasn't you, it was an arsehole, um, it was nothing to do with you. And so they'll, they'll use that narrative to not have to process the pain. And then um, what happens is then they live by that narrative, they go into the next relationship, they haven't addressed those things and they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, and the other thing is um, one of the big narratives is that there's someone to blame. And this is like our whole court, like divorce. You have to prove blame. And yet some, I think the goal of the relationship should be, does it work or doesn't it work? And it's not, it doesn't, like it not working is an outcome. It doesn't necessarily need to be a blame. I don't know if, if you've already covered that or addressed that. I hear what you say and I agree with you to some extent, but when you're saying about the courts though, I think in some situations and some relationships, if somebody's really betrayed somebody else or done some major thing wrong and they are at fault for the breakdown of the relationship, I think it'd be different in some situations, no? But the, the, the in a court of law, I think they've adjusted it for like the two years now, like if you've, if you've been apart for two years, but other than that, in divorce, you have to petition to say, prove that they, they were at fault, which, which means that like if a relation, yeah. So it may be that one person is to blame, but it could equally be that a relationship, you know, a couple come to an agreement that, okay, it just doesn't work. Um, and I, so I think there's a level of having to, of where people have this narrative of they feel like a failure if their relationship, and that's a level of social pressure that's been put on relationships. That, sorry, I wasn't aware of that. Is, is that with all divorces? So with any divorce, even if it's an amicable one, they still have to prove blame to get the divorce. It, Except they've, they've adapted, yeah, because the court of law works on a, a, a system of blame. And right. they've adapted it for, for now, like the quickie divorce, if you've been separated for two years. That's the only time where you don't okay. have to prove um, yeah, someone was at fault. Yeah, and, and so, so what people feel is they feel like I'm a failure. I failed at my relationship because traditionally um, religion and church and government have said you, you you've got to stay together sorry i i interrupted richard oh no sorry sorry my friend's mother's going through divorce at the moment just it's changing in england so no fault divorces are coming yeah where you don't have to declare you can just say you're divorcing but um but it's, it's not I, I think while i'm speaking I, I don't it's definitely true church and religion and family and society put pressure on you but generally i think even if you asked everyone here people generally want their relationships to work don't they yeah so so in a sense you you will especially some i've heard about in this call they've gone like 29 years and stuff i would have thought it's hard not to not to think even if you blame yourself it, it seems quite hard to go through something for 29 years and then come out of it and say oh that didn't work I would have thought it was fairly natural. Yeah, yeah. A human being. It's like if you lose your job or something, you don't, you might say, oh, useless company, you know, they didn't, they didn't whatever me and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, I, I would have thought as a human being, anything, anything that doesn't go according to what you hoped would, it would, would cause you to stop and think, 
well, did I do something wrong or did they do something wrong? Or, I don't know. I just, I just think it's a, nat a natural human tendency. But Particularly where you've invested so much time and effort as well. Yeah, exactly. There's a part of you as well that doesn't want to say to yourself, I wasted 10 years, isn't it? And I, I, I'm not really in the position at the moment where, where I can look back and actually, I can see some positive bits, but I'm probably still focusing quite a lot on the negatives and I'm still get, still going through a lot, 11 months on that stuff about, although I have an o, o, overly positive narrative, I think, in general, but I still am focusing in on negative bits quite often. It's beginning to wane, but you still think of the what-ifs and the buts, don't you, basically? Yeah. So, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, I, it's difficult. I don't want to have wasted nine years of my life. Exactly. You know, when you're saying about wasted nine years of your life, yeah. what, what does that even mean? Well, for me, it was I was in a relationship with someone who didn't want children. I went into the relationship and I wanted children. I decided that because I loved her, I, I would give up my want to have children. And, and now there's a bit of me when I come out the other side, and it's unfair to blame her, and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but... I do kind of feel that that ship has sailed to me, and I do feel a little bit. You know, I can't, I can't, ha I can't have that back. I can't go back in a time machine. I, I don't, you know, it's. I mean, I know I can still have children. At, I'm, I'm in my mid forties, so I can still have children, I suppose. But it, I don't particularly want to have like eighteen-year-olds when I'm sort of pushing sixty. I don't think. Really. You know, I kind of feel like I've lost that. So there are certain things you can get back, and other things you can't. But it, I suppose it depends. When you're in your twenties. If you have a 10-year relationship, it's, it's less troublesome, is it? But, you know, if you have a relationship... But, I, I mean, this is the thing, because, I mean, I'm still where I am, so I'm sure eventually I will think positively about things. So I'm struggling to find... I, I think, um, I think Pete, you know, I'm not saying what you're saying wrong, Pete. Um, I mean, in terms of um, wasting time, you, you've spent time with somebody else... Yeah, no, no, I know this. I mean, it's, it's funny because we were talking about narratives and what I'm saying to you. So, so you, you know, your narrative is different to my narrative. So your reading of, of it is different to mine. And what I'm saying is that I can't, I can't get out of that at the moment, those thoughts. They are progressing on, but it, it's difficult for me. So I'm, and I'm working through that. Well, but, one of the things that uh, I don't know if you heard earlier, one of the things that helped me, and, and I still use it today, is... It's telling myself over and over I'm not a victim, you know, because, you know, I had a long-term relationship that went wrong yeah. uh, for some reason or another, which, you know, it's by the by, trauma's trauma, whatever happened. But if you see yourself as a victim, then you're going to have a victim mentality. It's going to yeah. put you into a negative disposition. You ain't going to meet anyone else for the start. If that's, and if you do, it, it's, going to, it's not going to end well. And also... You're just going to end up depressed. So, you know, I'm sure, I, I think looking at what you've got rather than what you lost yeah. is the way forward. No, yeah, no, I know that. It, I mean, it's, it's all very well to say that, but it's a hell of a lot more difficult to do, I think, is the thing, isn't it? So, it is. So, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, one tries, obviously, but, but uh, yeah. But surely it's like the grief curve we talked about before. So you'll go, it's, it's a process and you have to work That's, through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I think, what I'm saying. So some of these stages serve their purpose, just like grief. It's, you go through these stages in order to get to a place where you've processed it and dealt with it. So yeah. 
I feel like it's the same with, with relationships. You shouldn't, you don't want to land up being bogged down by a negative narrative, but, but I think it's, I think, I think it's just human to go through some of this stuff. I think if you came out of a relationship you cared about and just went, ah, yeah, not that, then I'd, I'd be questioning whether the relationship actually had any sort of like effect, real effect on you. So to me, it's natural. And it is reinforced, like Rob says, by church and society and other things. But I think it's just inbuilt in humans to try and, well, and, and a negative mindset is fear-based, isn't it? Anything to do with fear is negativity. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, mean, I mean, some some of us do fear. I mean, for me, it's the, it's probably the first time in my life where I've ever had full control over the choices about where to go next in my life. And it scares the shit out of me, basically. And in some respects, you know, it, one of the reasons I wanted a companion, I suppose, was because... It's nice to have people to, to sort of, you know, you know, sound, sound your ideas out to, I suppose, basically, like making decisions. But it's myself. also by sort of joint, joint decisions, it almost becomes a joint responsibility. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you make a decision with someone, you've discussed the, the kind of options available, when you've made that decision, and then maybe it doesn't work out. Yes. You both Sometimes kind of pull your own as well. That's the thing. Yeah, you both pull through. Sometimes your life is bad. Yeah. Whereas if you make the decision on your own, um, you know, if it goes right, great. You've you've done a brilliant thing on your own. And if it goes wrong, you're the only one to blame, and you have to shoulder that responsibility. I think um, when Richard was saying about the the grief curve, I think what's mm. important to remember is that your narrative is your narrative and there's no sort of set formula there's no set time frame there's no set timelines you can't set mm. yourself an expectation of that grief curve you can't say oh you know someone else split up from a 10-year relationship and six months later they were you know off on a honeymoon somewhere um you know why am i still sat here and you think well actually you know because it just affects everyone differently you process yeah. things differently um you know i mean you know, some people will get over relationships quite quickly. Um, you know, I think my own sort of narrative is, is different to everyone else's. And, and you, you process things at your own pace um, and you have to take into account, you know, all the different contextual elements around it, which is different for everyone. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put yourself under pressure if you say, you know, oh, it's no, 11... No. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be sitting there ticking off the day saying, right, you know, by this time I want to be over it because you, you don't know, you don't know how long it's going to take. It's how long a piece of string. You move it at your own pace. And things also, sometimes you feel more kind of over it. And then the next day you feel like you've gone backwards and it doesn't yeah. mean you go, you know, it's sort of, it's not necessarily like Linear. two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. You, you do how, you know, it's, I don't know what that stitch is called. Yeah, but on the grief curve, you mean linear? So like on yeah. the grief curve, like some days I wake up and I have an accepting day. Yeah. And other days I have a day where I blame myself all day. So yeah, yeah. it does go like that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes and you obviously kind of, external factors do affect that as well, basically, you know. Yeah. I mean, or you if you're doing something that reminds you of the other person that you spent so much time with as well, you know. When I went, I went back to my mum's about three weeks ago, and it was the first time I think I'd been back for a long time without my mm -hmm. fiance, you know, my ex, my ex. 
and that brought back a lot of memories because I was yeah. used to having her there, and I, I wasn't really prepared for it. It didn't occur to me till I got down, so I was just going to visit my mum, and it suddenly just all hit me, basically. And I yeah. had to sort of make excuses that, you know, I'm, it, but it, you know, like we were saying, you know, you, you stay down there, you survive there. And you come out the other side and that makes you a stronger person, doesn't it? Mm. Like each day is a victory, really, I think. Yeah, because I, I think when, when, um, when I made the decision to file for divorce, my, my sister, my younger sister, kind of said, oh, you know, does that mean you're going to go back to the way you were before? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, the way you were before you met him and everything. And I thought, well, for a start, that was 15 years ago. I was 15 years younger. You know, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a child. I didn't have, you know, I was sort of going from one job to another. You know, no, I can't just reverse back 15 years because you know, your your emotions have evolved, your your whole, you know, you know, every all of your decision processes mm. have, have changed and evolved. Um, and yeah, you know, there are some times where you think, actually, you know, I might have been stronger before, and then other things you think, well, actually, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And mm. although it doesn't feel like it at the moment, um, you, you know, every day you are, you are stronger because you're making those decisions on your own. I mean, I've had days where I wake up in the morning, I think, I don't actually know if I want tea or coffee this morning, you know, and, um, and you know what? I made a cup of each and drank half of each. And, you know, and it's, you know, I've been on my own now for sort of three years and, now I kind of think, do you know what? If I want cereal at 10 o'clock at night for dinner, that's what I'm going to have. Whereas if yeah. you're in a relationship with someone, you, they're expecting dinner on the table at, you know, 7.30 and it's got to be, you know, you can't, you can't have white wine with steak. Why not? If I want white wine with steak, I'm going to damn well have it. You know, it's, you know, you can make up your own rules. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think that was, I think I said it in a, breakout room but my mother when I said I was going to you know that was it my relationship was over my mother-in-law said you know aren't you scared of being on your own and I said well no I'm not scared of being on my own I'm sad because I now have to you know sit down and reevaluate what I have what I want to do you know what my future holds I have to rewrite that and it's one that like you said you have to rewrite it on your own yeah and you have to take full responsibility if it yeah, doesn't yeah. go right but, you know, at the end of the day, that control and that power is for you. And it's, I've realized over the last three years how much my relationship had cut me off from my family, for instance. And so I've spent a lot more time with my family over the last few years. I mean, probably more time in the last three years than I've probably spent in the last 20 years with my family. And so my relationship with them have, has completely changed. Um, you know, and certainly, I mean, now, you know, I've just said, right, you know, my focus is my daughter and you can just focus on, and, and last year, I mean, I did things last year that I never would have done if I had still been in that relationship. Um, and things that I had before I was in that relationship, I had previously wanted to do. Um, but you know, I didn't have to run the decision past anyone. It was a, you know, a snap decision. I saw, a, you know, a bulletin on our news, on our, uh, like, intranet at work. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to apply for that. And, you know, I didn't have to run it past anyone and check with anyone's social calendars and diaries and things. And, 
Yeah, but that journey, you know, for me has, you know, I'm three years down the line and, you know, I'm nowhere near another relationship, don't want one. But, you know, other people that can take six months, some people can take three years, you yeah. know, some people it can take 20 years and they're still bitter. But your narrative is your story and it's your own timeline. Yes. And it depends, it, I mean, it's because it, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say that you have to, it's kind of similar to what Alan said as well. The first thing you really do need to do is find out who you are in some respects, isn't it? Because that, and it's not for everyone, because I think as Rob was telling us last week, it's good if you both retain your own individuality within the relationship. Mm. Those are the best relationships. But like you say, you do lose a lot of stuff and a lot of things do fall by the wayside. And sometimes you do feel a bit lost when you go out and you don't mm. know who you are. So, I mean, I've been going back listening to music that I was listening yeah. to before is yeah. one of the things I've been doing. Because then you just, it makes you remember what you were doing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like you hear tunes and you think like, oh, yeah. And you suddenly start remembering nights and stuff. You know, oh, yeah, yeah that, that was good fun. You know? And it's sort of reconnection. Yeah. So again? Those even memories you, belong to you. Yeah. Even though you're a different person, like you say, mm -hmm. and you've moved on. But it's also good to re, 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 reconnect with that, that old mm -hmm. you. Even yeah. though you're not that you anymore, it's still important, yeah. isn't it? I suppose. But you can look back on those memories with a new perspective, you know, sort of 15 years older or something. You know, you can, yeah, and your perspective changes throughout your life. Mm. That's very true. Do sorry, I, I missed, a lot, of, I missed a lot of that. Sorry, Sandra. I was just going to ask the question um, do you find that on coming on the other side of the of, of a relationship breakdown that you begin to reevaluate your expectations of, of, of a relationship based on having had that experience. Mm. In other words, shift um, the recurring actually framing what a new relationship could look like. Actually, I think that that's a perfect point Sandra is that the third story is the story of the future mm. so I think this would be a good time because we're running a little bit late um, but if everyone's got time we'll we'll go into breakout rooms um, and now the focus of discussion is is the story of the future because what what we've had is the relationships affect the story of the past which mm. comes with guilt and blame is the story of you how it impacts you and then the real key the real key to healing is having that story of the future so i'm i'm struggling here with internet so i'm i'm losing um connection every now and then but i'm gonna uh send everyone into breakout rooms who i know some people have to go because we run late um but everyone who who can um i'll go into breakout rooms and everyone's back Hey, did, did anyone have anything that they wanted to discuss from their group about the story of, of their future? I think learning from mistakes and finding um, a compatible relationship and going through the right motions before actually entering the relationship. Yeah. Um, so that there is a chance of actually having a healthy relationship and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's, yeah, really key. I think if you don't know what you want from a relationship, how do you know who to choose? Mm, yeah. 
I think as well what um, what we discussed was the kind of not not like not needing your relationship to define who you are and your purpose in life and you know you can you can find joy on your own and I don't mean for that to sound sordid um, but you know you can you create your own purpose in your life and your own reason for getting up in the morning. It doesn't have to be for someone else. Um, and whilst you're then living your life um, and enjoying yourself doing it, um, you know, you may or may not meet someone along the way who is doing a, the same thing as you and enjoying themselves. And then it means that if you can do the same thing together and enjoy yourselves together, then that's great. But the, I've kind of, you know, there's no point me sort of sitting here in grief or, you know, sitting here searching for, for the right person. You know, you don't know how long that's going to take. And, you know, that could take six months, that could take 10 years, by which point you will have sort of wasted 10 years just sat there waiting, you know, putting your life on hold, or I can't do that till I meet someone, I can't do that till I meet someone. Well, you know, you, you've waited, you know, 10 years down the line, you will have wasted that time. And you won't have done it so just you know get on and do it on your own and then you know if you meet someone in the process great um but if you don't great because you still have done what you wanted to do mm. yeah i i so i might sound of, a bit blase but no i think one of the key principles i have is um happiness trumps a relationship a lot of people give up their happiness for the relationship, um, but the relationship isn't going to survive without your happiness. Ultimately, the individual building blocks of a relationship are the people in it. And if mm. they're not happy, the relationship isn't going to be, isn't going to work as well. And so you have to remember that we, uh, happiness is the end goal and a relationship mm. is part of enhancing your life. What about when people say, oh, a relationship's not going to make you happy and you have to be like ultimately happy as the baseline first before you enter a relationship? Because I mean, I find that, I don't know, is that a myth? Because I just think like happiness obviously fluctuates. If you're going through like a difficult period of your life, you're not going to be as happy, but you shouldn't necessarily give up on looking for a relationship. Right. I, um, okay, so happiness is the goal. And for me, happiness is the side product of how you live your life and you, you you can't go i need to be happy so i'm going to do this this and this that won't make you happy because you'll just fixate on the happiness but it's 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 just a matter of living your life well and for me there's three keys to that there's the first is you have to find some way to feel successful significant the way that you can survive um you have to um feel love and be able to to love and then you need to have some um, feeling that you matter, a sense of meaning. So um, not everyone necessarily needs a relationship, um, but most people do. I'd say like 90% of people want a relationship. Um, so for me, the emotion that you feel is a reflection of how well your narrative and your reality are matching up. And so um you, some wounds and some levels of um things that you, 
of growth is only going to happen in a relationship because it's mm. only that that's going to test you. It's only that that's going to, um, that's the context. But you, if you go into a relationship because you're unhappy, needing, like Alan was talking about, have it been rescued, then that's a, a foundation of the relationship is, is uh, fragile. And so that's going to cause problems. So to the level you're like the relationships, the key to happiness, that's the yeah. wrong mentality. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but a yeah. relationship should enhance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think as well, the um, it's, it's also about kind of taking responsibility and ownership. So if you're saying, you know, you're, you're, you're unhappy because you're not in a relationship, you've essentially given up control and power to someone else. Yeah. You're sort of making your own happiness someone else's responsibility. You're not kind of taking responsibility for that yourself. And I think, you know, the reason a relationship breaks down is because one or both parties' needs aren't being met. And if those parties' needs is their happiness, you, you can't expect you can't expect to put your happiness in someone else's responsibility. Um, you know, it's your happiness comes out of, you know, things that you do together, companionship, you know, emotional support, but you know, you can't be held responsible for someone else's happiness. Um, yeah. And I think, hmm. um, yeah, you kind of have to take responsibility for yourself. Yes, definitely. And that narrative is at the root of a lot of problems of people mm -hmm. going, expecting the relationship will make them happy. And then they blame the partner for not making them happy. Yeah. 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 And actually, you know, you, you, yeah, you, you, you can't expect someone else to make you happy or to be kind of guardian of your happiness. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. The, the, the point of the relationship is that you should both support each other and enhance each other's lives but neither is going to make the other happy mm. it's you're not going to go into a relationship the first time you meet somebody and go hi um my name's alan i'm really unhappy and the things i'm looking for in life is somebody to make me happy would you like me to be my girlfriend because that that i mean there's no way nobody in the right mind would ever go oh yes please that sounds fantastic <laughs> They're right. unless they're miserable as well surely <laughs> and yet and yet there are people that do send out that message on dating sites <laughs> that's why i'm not on any dating sites <laughs> um but you know it's about creating that level of security creating that level of happiness within yourself and then when when that's when somebody else comes along you can go then you can go you know what my life's great mm. you want to come and share that with me and, and that's, a, that's an attractive prospect to, to share an attractive, you know, a, a positive experience with someone else. You're inviting someone to share an ex a positive experience. Mm -hmm. If you're inviting someone to share a negative experience, then there's no way that is ever going to work. No yeah. way. So yeah. that's why you've got to build yourself into the best that you can be and continually do that day after day after day. So you know, you know who you are. And that way, if someone else comes along and goes, you know what, I don't want anything that you've got enough, then you go, well, so what? Because I know what I've got. I know exactly what I'm about. I know exactly what I can offer. In that mm -hmm. five, 10 minute conversation that we've had, yeah, you might reject me, but I don't really care because I know better than what you do. And, it's, and it stops you from getting hurt, for mm -hmm. one. 
I think it's also important to sort of, you know, develop the kind of, you know, build your best life and things like that, but not, not necessarily with the sole purpose of finding a relationship. You're, you know, you have to, you know, you need to sort of live your life for you. You know, you kind of come into the world alone, you leave the world alone, you know, and if you sort of, you know, the people you meet along the way, you just pick them up for a temporary time and drop them down the same way that you're being picked up temporarily and put down. It's, you know, but at the, the only constant throughout the whole thing is yourself. So, you know, you have to be responsible for that. Yeah, also, a part of that too is that um, if you stop growing, you run the risk of being, pardon my French, as boring as hell. Mm. And uh, <laughs> you really don't bring much to um, a relationship if you stop growing, you stop improving, you stop um, evolving. And um, you do it for yourself. It's not that you're, this idea that you make yourself into this, you know, with all of these things that you're supposed to, to, to do and be, to be interesting for somebody else. Mm. You do the things that um, give you joy and you learn from. And um, if you're fulfilled in that way, it will come across to other people. And people with similar interests will spark off you. Mm. They will find you intriguing. They'll find you interesting. They'll probably want, you know, it's like somebody saying, okay, fine, this museum, for want of a better place, um, place to go to, um, they're, they're doing this and I'm interested in that. And you find that there's somebody else who may not have thought about it and wants to learn and will come with you and you spark up, you know, an interest. It's not that you, you're, you're, you're setting off to say this is going to be the basis of, of a relationship and here we are going to have a relationship because we have this in common. But having things in common based on your development is, to me, very important. Mm. I think one of the problems in dating is that a lot of people will talk up, you know, everything that Alan was saying and they'll talk about that life. They'll talk about how great that is. And sooner or later, the other person realizes it's just talk. And when they can't back it up, that's why so many, there's so much disappointment in early relationships and dating. Which is why when I see on the um, dating apps, I see these men with on these ski mobiles and on the ski slopes and climbing walls. And I'm like, hang on there now. Am I expected to go do that with you too? Is that what you're saying? Can you really do that? Do you have that much energy? Taken on one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I don't um, know. Uh, Laura, Laura, were you talking because you're, you're muted? Oh, you've just gone back on mute. Yeah. Sorry about that. I just wanted to ask you the question, Rob. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at Sandra's idea that she, she should be jet skiing and all that stuff. That's quite funny. But um, when you say early relationships hit a roadblock, is it because people find out that actually the guy can't jet ski or are you talking about the underlying stuff? 
that they're actually not happy people or both what? both that they, they will talk up how great their life is but it's talk mm. to impress someone and yeah. and it's empty it, it's the empty version of what alan was talking about is that they know that they have to do that but they're not willing to do the hard work of of mm. make those changes they're looking for someone to rescue them they're talking it up yes and then yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. People, people just lie don't they I mean, <laughs> basically on, on, on dating websites people just tell blatant lies i think really so and yeah, if, you're, if you're prepared to lie in writing, then you're probably going to lie in person, aren't you? So. Yeah, and, I mean, it's sort of acceptable. People lie about their height, their jobs, and uh, their weight, I think, is the... Age. Yeah, oh, yeah, age, right. yeah. I actually know two gay guys, that they're friends of mine, and, and the um, one was older and, the, and one was younger, quite a lot younger. And, and he, he was afraid to tell him his age. I don't think he actually told him his real age for about, <laughs> until about two years into the relationship. Yeah. They are getting married oh. next year, I think. So they've been, they've there been wasn't a deal breaker. I, I know someone who did that and, and um, had his family like go along with that. And then I had to, um, it was someone, it was there on holiday, they saw their passport. Um, but quite a bit into the relationship. Theory. Sorry? The whole family going along with it as well. <laughs> well they're, yeah, they're like, don't really, not really keen on it, but yeah, it's sort of put under, under pressure. That's the next level That's of lying, good. I think, isn't it, really? Yeah. It? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right, I've, I've still got... Uh, a, couple of things are we running out of time or um i was just going to show the four traps and um to healing from breakups do you want to go through this because mm -hmm. i'm conscious mm -hmm. we've run quite a bit over yeah if we can go through yeah. it that'd be good yeah okay if anyone needs to go just just go um the reason has left the meeting okay here we go right so okay so the three uh three key traps so we've done the story of future. Three key, three key traps are, there's something called the Zygonek effect, which is basically, um, why do we keep thinking about someone after we've broken up? And it's the Zygonek effect is basically, cognitively, we pay more attention to something that is unfinished. So if we've got a task that we still need to do, and so when we don't have closure, we... Our brain, it keeps, our brain keeps bringing it up. This is something that you haven't dealt with. This is something you haven't dealt with. And in the same way, if there are emotional things that we haven't dealt with, like you suppressed or repressed, um, they're always going to be there, but we're just going to have to push them down and distract them um, unless we deal with them. So uh, there's the Zygonek effect. Um, closure is a narrative. And so I caught a little bit of uh, Richard and Allen's dialogue before and one of the things is you do need to grow for those questions but then it's the point where you you bring it to an end because otherwise people just keep looping around and a lot of those questions unless you come up with a narrative there is no ending you you're people always want if, if I just have closure with my ex I just have one conversation people don't tell you the truth either they're so upset they're going to tell you um i can't remember who's 
um, I think Lynn, Lynn was talking before and her husband said, well, I'm glad you're leaving. He probably doesn't feel like that, but he's hurt, he's reacting. The other thing is that they don't want to hurt you and they're going to tell you some superficial thing that they think is going to make you feel happy, but isn't the truth. So ultimately, the only way you do need to go through, like, what can I learn from this? What, in an honest um, way that you can, you can process it, but ultimately you need to come to a, a story, an empowering story of, of closure. Um, the, th <clears throat> the third trap, oh, there's, I've got three traps. The third trap is that it's, there's a biochemical addiction. And um, so when, you, when you've broken up, you miss that person being there. And they, they, you get a, a biochemical state from being with them. And what research has found is that even just thinking of them gives a small dose of that biochemical hit. And so that repetitive playing over and over and over is really when you're looking for that feeling. So there's a feeling that you're looking for, a feeling of companionship, a feeling of connection. And just thinking about someone, your ex, gives you that memory and that, a little bit of dose of that. And so that can become, and if you use that repetitively, that becomes a thought pathway that becomes um, an addictive, like how you get that shot when you need it. And so there is a certain level of where you have to go through cold turkey of, of cutting off. Um, so, so how do you, how do you do this? And it's basically five key tasks to working through a breakup. And the first is to manage the pain. Um, so one way of managing the pain, so first of all is, is removing triggers. So anything around the house, anything social media, all those kind of things that are going to um, trigger and make you feel, make you put you back in that state. Um, you have to accept how you feel um, and then work on a narrative to change how that feels. And, also, another way, sometimes the pain is so intense that there's nothing you can do to stop it. You can't think your way out of it. Um, and one way of dealing with that is to physicalize the pain. If you, if you like work out or do something um, in a healthy way that creates physical pain, it gives, you an, an, um, it, it gives you an alternative to the pain, but it's pain that you can control. It's pain that's productive, it's healthy, and that strengthens you. And so you can use that physical pain by like intense exercise or um, doing something that's constructive, strengthening you in a way of, of dealing in that, mo in that intense moments when it first, when, that, um, when you're first feeling that. Um, and then you have to face that pain you uh, there's there's this kind of thing like it's a like pain is a fire and you're going to go walk up and you go oh it's too hot it's too hot it's too hot and you walk back but that's what Sa um not sandra um ella was talking about about if you don't deal with that pain you never get to the other side and so the fear grows of getting burnt um, and that becomes more and more intense 
So you have to confront the fear. Um, there's, we have like thought trains and thought trains are, um, okay, this, you know, this person dumped me. They didn't love me. If they didn't love me, no one's going to love me. I'm going to end up alone and unloved. I'm going to be that mad old cat lady. No relationship's ever going to work out. So fear takes, fear will always take us to the extreme. The extreme is I'm going to be homeless. Um, no one's ever going to love me. Um, my life won't have mattered at all. So we have to look at and confront the fear and realize what the core fear is and, and get to the truth of it. And at the truth is going to be the narrative. Uh, um, like when we get to the, the, the core fear, there's going to be a narrative around it. And the reality is that relationships are an achievement. If you have the knowledge, the skills and the confidence, and you times that by enough action, then you're going to get the results. And, and there's no shortage. There's, everyone has the ability to have the relationship that they want. It's a matter of knowing what to do and the skill to do it, the confidence to do it, and then going out and meeting enough people um, and putting that into practice. So the next one is um, the key, the core, um, the core uh, pain of a relationship is feeling that future has been taken away. Um, and it's really about feeling that the fear is that the, your future is always going to be worse. You're never going to have someone who's, who is um, as good or no one's going to love you as much. And again, that's, that's the narrative. There, there's always someone else out there. Um, and so as soon as you have that feeling and that belief that you can have a better future, then there's an excitement and enthusiasm about building it. And then it's about, so it's about building a new, vi a vi new vision. There is that grief of that your vision of the future is gone. And then it's about recapturing that and making or making a, a updated and better version. And then in order to, to make it, it's about improving the relationship skills, which is the framework with which you do relationships, the operating system, the personal foundation of, of you, your personal happiness. Um, and then it's just about the skills of the skills of dating, the skills of relationship. And so that's, that's really um, the fundamentals of, of getting over a breakup. And I've missed some of the, the chat here, I see. Okay. Um, right. Is the, yeah, I think uh, you can pick that up from Rob. Is that are you going to share that over meetup or anything? Sorry. You know, you know those um, slides, um, yeah. which are really good, by the way. Thank you for that. Are those? Are you able to share those at all, or can we pick them up at all? Yeah. I, um, I, yeah. I'll put them um, underneath. Um, so. We record this and we put the audio as a podcast, but I'll put the slides underneath it. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so and, much, and, Rob. I've got to go. Yeah. Thank you for everyone for being Thanks on. Thanks everybody. Stayed Brilliant. Over. See you, Laura. See you. See you later. Thank Sorry, you. Alan. Um, what were you going to say? Where, where would we um, find that? Is that on? Um... Um, so it's on uh, makerelationshipsimple.com. Um, if you click on the podcast, then each of the podcasts 
uh, ones are there. Right. So later this week, um, I'll, I'll cut out the bits while you're in the breakout rooms and um, post that with the slides. Thank you. Your last slide, you had a very interesting thing. It might not be so interesting for others, but seeing that um, I've been married for 30 odd years, you know, this whole thing of dating is, yeah, dating and relationship skills. The relationship skills, okay, fine. But the, the dating bit is a bit of a, a mystery to me nowadays, considering <laughs> we are in 2020. <laughs> what, I, what I did 30 odd years ago, <laughs> may not. So, in what's, <laughs> it, it, um, specifically around the dating, what skills? Oh, there's you... no specific, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sponge, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll take on anything on board, but I mean, you know, um, I have a goddaughter who's 30 and we are in the same boat and we share, we share notes and we talk and it is quite interesting um, some of the things that, that she says um, and of course the whole thing of um, all these acronyms that you've got to learn <laughs> to understand what it is that people require or don't like um, so it's a different lingo for, for starters yeah. I find um and then of course the whole concept of what is a safe space within which to you know meet somebody and to have you know start a, 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 a well not a relationship but just to start a conversation and to take it yeah and to take it forward if if so so it's um yeah mm. um we've got next week we've got um uh, Sanjay, who was on one of the calls about dating, he's actually created a dating app. So he's going to um, tell us about how dating apps work and profiles and things like that. I am putting together a dating workshop, which is like going to go over um, the mindset, the uh, profiles, messaging, and set like a little bit of framework of like how to connect, how... Um, just really about getting that connect initial connection and just so I, I'll, let, I I'll let you know i don't understand the, the, the acronyms either sandra so don't worry i just google them generally I, well, I have to take well, it off well i'll tell you what what might be really useful is if you come across one that you don't know and then you google it and found out if you share it um it might be worth I don't know how many there oh, are yes, of that, but because there's a lot of people that come out of relationships in like Netflix and chill and they think they've been invited around for a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. And I've seen some, I mean, there's some um, things that I've seen written in people's profiles, which I thank them for their honesty. Um, but nonetheless, wow, that's all I can say. Some of them really fine be that, you know, but it's um, how do you really navigate when there's so many constructed stories put out by people? that have nothing to do with the reality of the person behind, you know, behind that profile. You mean people talking about 
talking up a different game than the reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but they start from the very beginning, from the photograph to the description of themselves, and they continue and they continue. And I'm not, for my sins, I've had to become a bit of a, um, a sleuth when it comes to this. <laughs> Yeah, scammers are around, um, you know, the ones from, I won't name the countries, but they are all over. And then, you know, sometimes I say to myself, I go along and I'm having a conversation and I'm listening and I'm listening. And then I will put in a few key things and you'll get silence or there's a hang up and you say, aha. So I've had to learn that, which I never, <laughs> in my youth, I never had to, you know. Sandra, can I ask you, are you comfortable being on a dating website? Is that your, is that a place where you want to be? I don't necessarily want to be, but it's, it's what's of, it's, it's there, it's a tool, and I am not afraid of trying anything new like that, you see, so I will explore. One of the things that I'm trying to do is to maintain control, and so not let this, um, let it take over my life. Or let's, um, if I connect with somebody, um, let them feel that they are in the driver's seat. Um, and one of the things that I try to say at, from the very beginning, listen, I am not looking for a settling down relationship with anyone. So, because I see a lot of people in my age group who are talking about looking for the one to settle down with for a quiet retirement. I am retiring. I'm not about to retire. I've got lots of life to live and I, you know, yeah. So don't come to me with um, looking for the perfect lady to sit, <laughs> to, to, to go sit by the fireside and bring me my slippers. Not, not, not me. So um, it's, navigating and knowing <laughs> I can be very direct for my sins <laughs> knowing what to say when <laughs> sometimes it sounds more like you could take just I reckon rather than the other way around though, by the sounds I, of it I, I could do what I'm saying it sounds like you could teach just a few things rather than the other way but no I think just as um Rob has been talking throughout the whole um, series, which I find quite interesting, Rob, I must say, I commend you for it. Um, that it's, we, we, we are learning as we go along and we learn different things and um, it's how you put them together and use them for your benefit. I think that's what some of us are, um, having to learn to come to grips with now. In the past, I suppose, also if you have a partner, some of those things are not as important as they are as when you're an individual, because you're on your own. You have to make all the, dis the, the decisions. You don't have anybody to you know, brainstorm with or take, they'll take the lead. You are the lead. <laughs> and so, um, you have to become bolder, you have to be more decisive, and you've got to um, look out for your safety and for what's best for you, um, I find. So don't mind me. I, this is an, an adventure, and I'm having fun. <laughs> 
it just strikes think... me with, with, with like, you know, like any other product, like all, all adverts you see on TV or in newspapers or anywhere, it's all lies anyway, isn't it? So, I, I mean, I think it's probably easier for men, like, you know, to, looking at profiles of women probably than the other way around, because I reckon men probably, I know quite a lot of men that do tell quite a lot of porkies on their, on their dating profiles. Yeah, but. It's bio, bio, you know, bio beware, that slogan, bio beware. I mean, just, just, just know you yeah, have caveat to answer. Yeah. be conscious and, and, and um, know what will work for you, but also um, do not um, build such rigid, well, for me, I'm trying not to build such rigid guidelines and such rigid criteria that yeah. golden opportunities pass me yeah, back. Keep it out in mind. It, I mean, you know, if the worst comes to the worst, you just have a coffee or whatever, don't you? So with someone, so. And if you don't like them and it, it gets rude or something, then it becomes a story to tell the next person. So, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's funny because uh, I made to manage on uh, Plenty of Fish and um, he met a girl, I think it was Wednesday last week, and um, he only had um, the facial picture of her and I said look mate you know my expectation is that she's without being rude she's probably going to be quite overweight if she's only put, putting um, facial pictures on him and he said no no she'll be fine anyway long story short he ended up meeting her and she was considerably overweight so I said what happened you know did you just you know did you just say sorry you know thanks very much but you're not for me and he said he ended up going out for a meal um, having a coffee, spent about an hour and a half with her, paid for her, and then left. And then when I spoke to him later on in the evening, he gave me like the full rundown of what happened. And he was like, oh, mate, it was terrible. You know, she was awful. Um, she told lies about what she looked like, etc., etc." And I said to him, you know, I said, why at the point when you seen her, did you not just walk away? And say or or say to her, you know, I'm really sorry, you're not for me, but thank you very much for coming and then and leave instead of spending all that time with her. Maybe she's got the wrong end of the stick because because you spent that amount of time with her, paying for uh, I think it cost them like thirty quid or something like that. And I said, you know, why why would you do that? And he went, and his answer was, I don't know. Because I think some you, it's this, this, you've got to have some level of humanity, though. Like, I've met people off websites before, right? And as handsome as the guy was, just by his demeanour when I met him, I just knew that he wasn't for me the second I saw him. And I'm not just going to go, oh, you know, sorry about that, whatever. So I just thought, you know what? We're, I'm here now. We might as well have a good time. I might as well help this guy as much as I can in the time that we've got together. So mm. just spent the time getting to know him, you know, trying to point him in the right direction a little bit. And then that was that at the end of that. Do you know what I mean? Because there's, you've got to have some level of humanity and you, the profile is the first step and then meeting them, you know, there's, do you know what I'm saying? Like, am I, I mean, coming I can, across? I kind of get it. I kind of get it. But, and I, but I mean, also, I mean, I'm not saying that you should have been rude and gone, you know, like, oh, you said you were a size, you know, whatever or anything like that. Not even rude, but... 
I wouldn't and I, just another point right not everybody's big because I, do, I only have face shots so it's not like a given that if they've got a face shot they must be big do you know what I mean oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it is for the moment but I said my what I said to him was probably I think she will, you probably will be uh, and, and, and you know there's nothing wrong with that but she said that she was a certain size and she wasn't so so she'd lied she basically long story short she'd lied to him in what she told him she was like you know, it's, yeah, it's like so if they all they don't smoke on the profile and then they come stinking come a six the or something yeah. like oh, that. Yeah, six foot six and then and the five foot four. You know, <laughs> it, it's it, it's not nice, is it? You know, you you've met someone under false expectation. Um, <laughs> but if you if you're there and you and you the whole point in you meeting somebody, I'd be interested to find what your take on this is, Rob. The, the whole point of I mean, it's happened to me. I'm not sitting here as perfect. I went on, I went on a date and. Uh, a couple of years ago, actually, and um, and the girl I met was just completely weird. And I'd ordered the coffee, I'd ordered the cake. I met her in the Trafford Centre. I live in Leeds now, but it was when I lived in Liverpool at the time. And I met her in a, uh, this coffee shop near the Trafford Centre. Ordered the coffee, ordered the cake, sat down, and she just started coming out with all this mad stuff. And really, she thought, I really should have went right, nice one, but see you later. But I didn't. I sat there. I had the cake. I drank my coffee, and I just listened to all this rubbish that she come out with. And I, I, when I drove away, she sent me a message. Oh, thank you for the lovely experience. And I was like, it really wasn't. It was awful. But more feel me. No, but there. you did her a service. No, you did. You probably made her day. So think that you did something good. Yeah. Because what I'm hearing from you is what about what it it did for you. But sometimes you have to think that, as Sasha is saying, that you have been very kind to somebody who just probably needed somebody to be kind to them at that point for an hour. It's not going to kill you. No, I mean, it isn't. But the whole point is, you know, we're not, I'm, not, I'm not here as a, as a child. It's not nice to be deceived. It really isn't nice to be deceived. It's not nice to go through a cruddy date. No. But it's, just, it's just part and parcel of the, of the process, though. But I, I mean, my question is, is, is it should, you know, because if you've met someone on the false pretenses, then you can't really be, um, you know, if I, if I, if I said to somebody, you know, um, I'm a millionaire and, uh, <laughs> and then I drove up in a fiesta for argument's sake <laughs> with, with, with really scruffy clothes, I wouldn't expect that person to go, hang on a minute what's going on here? And then I go, yeah, actually, I was, I was telling you lies. I wouldn't be particularly surprised if they went, right, okay, Alan, I'll see you later. Because I, I would have told them lies. And, that, and that's, that's just the way I, I guess would. women would be a bit, a bit, I guess women would be in danger a bit more at that point. So maybe for us, it's a bit more like, but with the, with the woman with the, that was overweight yes she did come on false pretenses if she's lied to him but then if he walks away at that point and goes sorry she's going to get a more of a worse complexion about how she looks than she did in the first place what what caused her to lie in the first place not that well, how, that's his well, responsibility yeah that's what i was going to say that how, makes is sense? That, how is that my friends in that situation how is that his responsibility because he's going on that date for his his own self his own future and to try and meet someone who thinks he's got he's gonna compliment his, his life and if that person at that at that inception of the re, if you can call it a relationship and it's not but if at the point of inception that person is telling a lie well that relationship is doomed from the beginning isn't it 
I guess it's compassion at that point. There's another side to it too. Somebody, a man who is five foot two, a woman who is severely overweight, um, probably feels like she's a plain Jane, feel there's a feeling of inadequacy already. And in a way, sometimes it's, if I create this, maybe so, if I tell the truth, nobody will respond. It is going to make me feel even worse. Maybe if I create a picture, maybe I can even get somebody to even just talk to me. And maybe they'll see the real me, give me a chance. Um, and I'm not condoning it because I don't like it and I don't want somebody to do it, you know, to tell me they're six foot three. And then when I go, I mean, you know, nobody can really be shorter than I am. I mean, really. yeah. I'm a guy who's shorter than me and I'm five three. Um, so, but the fact of the matter is that um, I think we have to, yeah, forget the scammers and the really nasty people and stuff. There's a whole set of people who are very insecure who have been really um, bullied, made to feel inadequate and so, and they're using these instruments to try to put a foot out. And I'm saying the obnoxious ones, when we meet them, get rid of them, put them off yeah. the wall side and stuff. But there's some people who just need a smile and a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of encouragement to say, yes, you are a worthy human being as well. You're not my type, but... I think you can, I think you can learn something from everyone as well. I'm a, I'm a firm yeah. believer in that. So, you know, it, it, as long as you listen to what they say, then you can always pick something up that puts to you. So, so, you know, I think time with another person is never a waste. Again, it's how, you know, like we've been talking about all day, it's about your perception of it, isn't it? Because that person could oh, exactly, that's the thing. Well, they might tell you something that's really perceptive about yourself as well, which is the other thing, which, which maybe no one's ever said, so. But you've got to remember the whole purpose... I don't think what the I don't think what the person think, did was wrong in some respects. But I mean, as it was, he, he yeah. went for it. But it wouldn't be what I'd do. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, think, on, 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 a, on a totally different scale, my, my dad, my mum and dad were divorced. My dad met this woman um, probably about three or four years ago in um, in Chester in this Toby Carvery car park. Yeah, and yeah. My, my dad uh, at the time was probably about 68 and he looked really young for his age. And anyway, he said, he's standing there in the car park and this old woman with like a walking stick comes up to him and says, hi, is your name John? And he looked at her and he went, uh, yeah, how do you know? And she went, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Jane. And he went, what do you mean you're Jane? And he said, it's Jane off the dating site. And he went, no, it's not. And she went, it is. Okay. So my dad, my dad's really, really blunt. He gets the picture of her on a dating website and went, this isn't you. And it was a picture of her with, like, blonde hair sat on the front of, a, like, American sports car. It's called the Dodge Viper. She was draped across oh, yeah. the front. Yeah. And he went, that is not you. And she went, it is. But that picture was taken 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Because it, it's like, like how often, you know, like, you, obviously your weight fluctuates as well, doesn't it? So how, how often are you supposed to update your profile, <laughs> basically? 
But I have I quit smoking two months ago and I did change my profile to say that I'd quit smoking basically. So I'm allowed to do that. I have had a gentleman contact me to ask me his first question to me. He just said, hello. Hi. Well, hi. What is your weight? Really? And how tall are you? Wow. <laughs> and I said, um, I'm sorry, this conversation is not good. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was as blunt as that. Mm. Yeah. So what's your opinion on it, Rob? Should do you think do you think it's a sign of weakness to stay with if you're going on a date with someone and and they've you've met them with under false pretenses or and you and you just stay or do you think you should just be polite and say sorry you're not for me i think <clears throat> fundamentally the purpose isn't to date the the purpose is to connect so because if you're going out to date you're looking at people as an object to be your partner um and that puts on a certain level of pressure and it creates disconnection. I think um, it is about connecting to humanity. And so you're going to connect to different people and it may be that's a, someone that you're like, just the fact that they've lied. So I think, yeah, you give them, you know, maybe 20 minutes to have a coffee and you say, look, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And, and you know, you're, you're probably a lovely person, but you've lied to me. And that's not a basis for a relationship. Um, I'm not interested because you've given me this impression and this is, the, this is um, what you've gone. Because that then shows them that what they're doing isn't going to work. Um, but I think other people will do whatever they want and you'll get all kinds of behavior on dating sites. But it's about you having integrity of doing and feeling that you've done the right thing and being the best person that you can. And the best person you can is accepting other people, accepting them for all their, their things and just being honest with them. And, it may, and, and if you're able to connect with people like that, you're going to connect. And some of them you may connect on a level of friendship. Some of them you may keep in touch with and, and you know, you're not their cup of tea, they're not yours. But if you're able to relate to each other in that way, they've got friends, they've got, you know, all these other people. And if you're just connecting human to human, okay, you know, like, um, you know, I, I don't see us in a romantic relationship. You're not my cup of tea. Um, you're a lovely person, but I like you, you know, as you are. And you're just able to have that conversation like someone that you've just, you might just have a conversation with in a cafe. And you, you, then that's going to open up all other doors because they go, okay, well, you know, like some people will take it and they're like, Oh, um, whatever. But some that could be the someone who has a friend or a sister or something. Um, so uh, yeah, I think, um, treat people in the best way that you can, you know, as you would want to be treated. Um, but it doesn't mean that like your friend went along like, oh, I don't know what to do. I, I've got to pretend to be nice. And then, but it wasn't truly how he felt. And it, it can take you by shock. You go along and you go, oh, what am I going to do? But I think, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, like if, you, if you've lied about it, you know, that's the reason 
I don't want to pursue a relationship with you. Thank you. Sorry. I was just said it's always best to be direct. I think in, in that situation. Yeah, I, I think you know, I, if you I go can't and believe you paid for dinner there. I mean, I mean, you know, that that really is quite bad. So you can tell him that that was bad. I think. Well, I I, I I could see being in that situation, and you're like, oh shit, what do I do? You know, um, and you just go, you know, into a sort of autopilot of what you would do. So sometimes you can't think that quick. You know, like, oh. but I think being prepared and, and knowing. Like, this is what I'm looking for. And if there isn't it, I'm just going to be honest about it. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then everyone knows where they are. Yeah, I look at, the way I look at it is um, also is um, you're on this. It's, it's a gamble given, you know, the unknowns. Um, and so you have to be prepared to, to lose, so to speak. And uh, you go wherever it is, if you're meeting somebody for the first time or if it's, a, you know, a Zoom chat or whatever it is, um, you, 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 you can't go with preset notions that you're trying to have somebody um, tick these boxes of, uh, and then that is going to become your date and then that's a relationship. As you said, it's a connection with mm. another human being and that human being could be quite obnoxious and you, you switch it off. To my mind, it's us developing a way of doing this with good grace and closing it off. Uh, I think you, as a person, need to also be like that for your own sense of well-being and how you generally look at people and relate to people. It, you know, it's part and parcel of who you are. Uh, and, and I don't think it takes anything off of you uh, yeah. to, to, to be polite, considerate, and but at the same time, be decisive you know, be firm yeah. about your decisions and so forth, but not to denigrate somebody. Because mm. that's, that's a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, you're going to feel like people have wasted your time. But on the other hand, so, you know, someone's really attractive and you're going to get sucked in and into the wrong relationship just because of their looks. Whereas it may be that you're really attracted to someone, but that can be, but if they don't have the right traits, that can be a casual relationship, but don't get into a relationship um, with someone that's going to end up making you miserable just because, you know, you're blinded by lust. Mm. But there's nothing wrong in, I think, you know, what Sandra's saying really is that you should operate with grace, mm. isn't she? And yeah. I think that's something which is quite often lost from society. So, uh, yeah. and, and I would hope that if someone was going to lie on their thing, that, that I mean, I'm, I, mean I, I keep thinking of this, as, of it being like the CV and the interview, isn't it? So like everyone mm. lies a bit on their CV, Basically, and, and you suspect I know people who tell Brighton lies on their CV, but they still get bloody interviews and quite often they get jobs. And that's the thing, isn't it? If someone lies on their CV, I think you'd, you'd expect them to, to give a bloody good interview. And that's what I'd expect if someone lied. I'd expect them to compensate by having a, you know, like a great personality or whatever, or being very funny. or And then that's cool, isn't it? It's not a waste of that, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, it's just getting to the truth. And the truth yeah. is, 
if they look like they, you know, if they, their looks attract you, if their personality yeah. is right, but not being too start, attached start, too early. Start, I, I get you that starting with dishonesty is a bad place to start, isn't it? But, but you know, but as well, it's it's like it can be a funny story as well, can't it? So that's the thing, isn't it? I think, I think you've got to give them a bit of time, basically. I think. But also, there are some people who I have they haven't said this directly to me, but reading between the lines, when I look at some of the things that they write in their profiles and the yeah. pictures that they put up, that they're very sensitive about showing themselves. And it could be for any number of reasons. It could be for a professional reason. It could be because in some places, my photograph does not appear. I use mm. landscapes and my plants and all kinds of stuff, but I will reveal myself to you. But um, because of what I do and my world, so to speak, uh, some places my photograph is just not there. Um, mm. It doesn't mean that I'm hiding, um, you know, something that is hideous or, or, or whatever. On others, um, I'm there. It's mm. not a problem. It depends on on the situation, and I'm I'm sure um, I'm not condoning this again. But I've seen where some men have actually written that they are married, looking for a bit on the side. Yeah. Um, so there is no photograph, <laughs> you know, or the photograph is of something else. So there are a myriad of reasons as to why sometimes people don't reveal all that there is. About yeah, that. people people on dating sites as well. They get some can be, get really nasty about women not putting pictures, can't they? Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, well, there's an off button. I mean, delete, delete, delete. Move on. Mm. Once somebody's imp uh, impolite to me, I'm I'm done. That's yeah. it. It's over. You could be looking. Who is the most handsome man around town now? I have no idea. <laughs> um, you could look like him. I don't care. You're rude. That's that end of. Because I don't know you. I'm not invest. I have nothing vested in you. No interest. No energy. Nothing. There is nothing. I'm not losing anything. Yeah. Exactly. So the the um, I mentioned earlier on about this uh, this girl and work. Um, I mean, it's, I'm 41, like, but she's quite a bit younger than me, um, and she she gave me her number i didn't didn't have to do anything to pursue it um you know we met up a couple of times and stuff and she told me some like really intimate stuff um you know, like i'm not obviously going to repeat what it was but she was like tell me told me like really intimate stuff and was like you know i've, I've only told x amounts of people this before and all sorts of stuff and i'm like okay you know you give me that you've given me that insight into your life, you've given me that trust. But everything that she did, I felt like I was kind of pursuing it. So I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to bother pursuing it anymore. So I thought, I'm just going to, to save myself, to get me peace back, I'm just going to delete your number and, um, and just see whether you message me. And, and she hasn't. I see, it, I see it in work, you know, it's very, very pleasant. You know, we'll have a laugh and stuff like that. I won't, certainly won't go out my way to speak to her. Um, it's just pleasantries, but it still, it still does like bother me to, to say, well, you know, why I can't understand why someone would give intimate details like she has 
and then kind of just cut off that communication. Um, if I was to message you now, as I deleted the number, but if I was to message you now, yes, you would reply. But we, what you know, what would be the point in that? But I just, it's something like a kind of, it's a, it's a strange thing because people, we talked about going through the same experiences in life and meeting the, meeting the same people with different names, and that's kind of I always seem to generate this trust in in, in people where they'll kind of reveal stuff to me. Mm. Um, I don't know, it, it's just a strange thing. I, I think people want to be seen; they want to be understood but they're also afraid of it. And so people will reveal, um, Brené Brown talks about vulnerability hangover, like revealing something really intimate because you want people to see you, you want to connect, connect with them. And then being like, oh God, did I tell that? And so it may be that she's said it um, and she's hoping like that's a sort of test, see how you yeah. feel. And do you respond? Do you pick up on it? Well, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it was that you said, no. but you give me this in, intimate detail. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm, I can't believe you, you, you've told me that. And then it must have been about two days later, because obviously we, there was no commitment or anything like that. She said, oh, um, she sent me a message. Uh, and she said, oh, we're um, being asked out on a date. And I was like, what do you mean you're being asked out on a date? And then she said, oh, join Tinder. And I was like, uh, I was just like thinking to myself, well, how can you like give all of this like intimate detail and explain how you were feeling emotionally as a result of what happened and stuff like that? And then like literally two days later, tell me that you're being asked out on a date on Tinder. I just, it just didn't make any sense. But I mean, is that how you mentioned, Rob, about people not having the know-how? Does that just boil down to people not having the know-how on how to actually develop a relationship and get what they want? So she's, does that make sense? Maybe it just yeah. boils down to not having the know-how. I mean, I mean, we, we can hypothesize all kinds of reasons, but only she knows. But yeah, yeah I, I would think what she's doing is like, she's telling you that. Um, and, you know, may, maybe it was a very intimate moment and maybe she like, sometimes people share on... Um, it was inappropriately. Over, to give you some context, it was it wasn't me sat next to her or lying in bed next to her. It was over a text message mm. that she told me. Yeah, and, and and also there's you know whether she's drunk or whether she's um, you know, feeling like she's wanting that connection. But the 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 telling you about Tinder, I would say, is probably a trick of. All right. Well, let's test how he feels. You know, yeah. is he going to get jealous? I, I, I've seen a lot of women do a lot of silly stuff to get someone jealous mm. because they think, "All right, that's how I get his attention." Okay. But people are quite brazen these days as well, aren't they? I mean, some of the conversations I hear on the bus with like young girls having on their mobile phones. I mean, it, it is quite. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no prude, but you just think it's completely inappropriate to be having that conversation on your mobile in public, really, in a public place. But there's like kids around and stuff. So I mean, people, you know, yeah, I think people are quite brazen these as well. Really, if maybe she was looking for a counsellor. It's it's possible. Oh, there an older brother with her. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm no fool. You know what I mean. Um, I've, I've deleted the number 
and, and that's how it's going to stay. I, you know, I'm not going to involve myself in anything negative of being there and have done that. And I'd be an idiot if I was not to learn from my mistakes, you know. Uh, but it just struck me as curious that because I'd not really come because it was quite an intimate type stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just like, wow, that's that's quite strange that you've done that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, I, I, I think just bringing it up, okay, you know, like you, you told me this, and yet you're doing this. Um, you know, I, I feel there's a mismatch um, between that, and it, it just maybe they clarify, maybe they don't. But I think all you can do is, is you know, like behave in the best way that you think you can, and then you navigate around people, let them do what they want. Because then they'll, they'll show you what they, who they are. One of the things that we need to be careful of, though, well, this is, I'm talking to myself more than, than anything else, is to moderate the level of intensity in your approach. Um, you know, uh, um, sometimes when we, are enthusiastic about something or somebody we can go all in throw caution to the wind we can overwhelm people ourselves you know, all of that stuff and um, if we're not careful I, th- I think this online dating situation requires a step back even further so instead of starting at you know point a we go a minus one and start even further back because there are other steps involved in this process that we're not taking account of one of them is the initial meeting which is which started on a different footing from the normal way um, i suppose many of us um started out in terms of, of dating you know it, you start out with people in your neighborhood, in your school, in your surroundings. That's, you know, those are your first likes. Now we are dealing with a network that goes far beyond even national boundaries because of the internet. And so um, we, I think we need to be more cautious and have a, a, a bit of space that allows us to, to make, informed assessments of what we are seeing or what we are getting in terms of information from the other side. Because it's not, it's not a norm, it doesn't start off with with the normal, what we would consider to be. Checks and balances. Right, so you need other checks, yeah exactly, checks and balances. Because obviously if they were in your school or your neighbourhood you could ask people about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so a few more steps of caution in between. Yeah, I, would... I think it's, it's really important just not to rush ahead. Exactly. exactly. Because the yardsticks, the benchmarks that you used to have, the, most of those don't apply in the initial stages. You can't check your best friend whose brother knows X and Y yeah. and tell you about them and what have you, or, you know, any of that stuff. It's... You're really going um, sort of blind. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, there's, there's appropriate times in there and it's about finding that that sort of sweet spot of um, not not oversharing but sharing the right information at the right times yeah yeah, yeah. that's important so I'm interested in your, your 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 number three on your last slide, as I said. So don't forget. <laughs> yeah. So we've got we've got uh, dating apps next up next. I think we've only got the one one more booked in. Um, I had some ideas. No, I, um, I was thinking about either we could do like one person do a sort of makeover or whatever they wanted to go over or um, I had something else in mind. Uh, I don't know if you've got any, any ideas or themes that you'd like to talk about. Um, this is not um, properly formulated in my brain, but has anybody ever discussed what would be a perfect dating app for them, for themselves? What is it that you want? What is it that you'd like to see? And what, you know, instead of looking, because I've joined up all of these ones just on trial basis and I'm going through them and seeing what they're like and seeing what they do. And I'm thinking to myself, this does not appeal to me. This is not this is not what I really want. This We're all competing with each other and following trends and just making it worse for everybody. Yeah. The most the most popular app on the most sort of successful app. Well, turn the problem around. What is it that we want? If we were to create an app, what would we have in it? Something that's going to help people actually connect with each other, not on a judgment basis, but on a compatibility basis. And how does that play out? What kind of algorithm? Are you? you see, you have to bring it down to that level. You know, how do you design that algorithm to... to I to... guess and ed somewhat something that educates people as well at the same time would be a good idea, wouldn't it? So the thing is with dating is, you know, you'll go to school and you'll learn about science, maths, English, etc., etc. But nobody teaches you how to have a successful relationship. So that that is something that is, you know, we're all we're all here today because we've got had unsuccessful relationships. That's why we're here now, and we're yeah. and we're here to try and learn how to ultimately create and retain relationships. You know, because it's not just a case of how do you go out and pull a nice looking girl or how do you pull a nice looking guy or whatever it is it's not about that it's also about that retention factor it's about you know keeping it real it's about communicating well it's about not not letting anger take over and not letting ego take over all of these things are very very complex state of affairs that you can only really be put to the test once you're in that relationship now i've, I've I had a mate come down to see me a couple of weeks ago. And he said, oh, if my current relationship fails, I'm never getting a relationship again. He's saying that whilst he's in a relationship. So if he was single and he was saying that, well, fair enough. Yeah. But it's easy to come up with these things and say these things when you're on your own. 
and that, and that's the that's the learning curve, isn't it? It's about, and and I think that's why the, the most important thing, as I've said numerous times, is to form a good relationship with yourself. But I mean, what does that even mean? It's so complicated. I think you've got to have a, good, a, a basis idea of who you are because I think a lot of us grow up and we actually don't know who we are deep down in our core. So I think about knowing who you really are, what what it is that's important to you in your life, um, what your beliefs about yourself are, um, and also, but then it's it's finding compatibility as well as as with the other person. If you want one thing in life and they want something completely different, or if they want kids and you don't, or you want kids and they don't, it's going to cause a lot of friction in the relationship. So there's a lot of things that need to sort of be discussed beforehand, so that you know that you want the same things in life. So it's not going to cause too much friction. And then like having the know how how to communicate through problems and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. Have you got a fundamental level? Sorry. Go ahead. Go on, sorry. Uh, I was saying that I think that on a fundamental level, though, um, there are some we need to. We have to think of ourselves as the main individual in this, whatever it is, and we have to like. We have to get to a place where we like ourselves. There are many people who don't like their company. They don't like themselves. They don't like to be on their own. They don't, there's nothing about them that they want to think about or be at home with. Um, they are always doing things. They are with people. They're the life of the party. They're active. They're out of home. They cannot spend a day. I don't know how they're coping in COVID. They cannot spend time in their own company because they get into their heads and they mm. don't like what's going on in and around. And mm. if you're going to be in a relationship, you've got to, you've got to come to grips. Be with okay with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was saying earlier in our breakout group, because I, I mean, I, I split up with my girlfriend about 11 months ago, so getting on for a year. And I went through, I went through a lot of counseling. Which I probably needed me by really, but but you kind of learn to look at you know underneath those stones that generally you just skirt over. You obviously realise who you are, but 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 you need to focus in on the bits like like you say, Sandra, that that you don't want to look at because there are things in your mind normally that you just skirt over, and your brain has a way of just not looking at them, not looking into them because it because it knows that there's pain in there, so it just yeah, it's you just have a little algorithm that every time it sees it, it just has a program to bypass it. But, it, but you, to actually come to terms, to come to peace with yourself, you have to lift up those stones and look under, and see what's underneath, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's about, we need to learn how to accept ourselves as wholes, as a whole person as well. Like, we have got good traits, we've got, you know, the good of ourselves, but we are also, make, we make mistakes. There's this things about every single person that's, not great and if we can can't accept ourselves as flawed and and see ourselves as a whole the good and the bad of our own selves yeah. it's very difficult because you're always rejecting the part of yourself that you don't you're reject we're all rejecting ourselves because we don't like that part of ourselves that's who we are and I, I think so, i mean society doesn't help i mean uk society things like advertising advertising sells to you on the basis that you haven't got what they're selling you 
so you're incomplete without it. That that tends to be its way. And a lot, yeah, which there's a lot there's a lot of stories now these days in in like newspapers and magazines which are really adverts in sort of disguise as well. So, so there's a lot of that underneath, and that does make people insecure. Yeah, it makes the situation. You know? and and it's difficult. It's difficult to be, you know, strong in the face of all this stuff. All those sort of people coming in, you know. It's, it's that E.E. Cummings quote of um, the hardest thing, like, like the world will try and make you, basically the world will try and make you into what it wants you to be. And the hardest thing in the world is to fight against it. And, and I think the fight, the fight doesn't have to be so difficult, though. It's about more being at peace inside of yourself with who you are. That is the strength. The first it fight is inside. Good, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a lot of energy. Hmm. Does that make first, sense? Yeah, the first fight is always inside, and then it's outside. Um, and w- when you were talking, Sasha, it's, it's, it, it reminds me back of you know, Alan, when you were talking about your friend, yeah. and we had that discussion. The reason why you treat other people with compassion and, and be gentle with them is because whatever you do to someone else, you do ten times worse to yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you treat when you have that mentality and that mindset of okay we're just going to accept everyone as they are then you have the peace to accept yourself but um sometimes that can be that can be seen as a weakness though can it it can be seen but it doesn't have to be it can be a weakness i think your friend did it from weakness he did it because he didn't want to be embarrassed and didn't know how to say it um i think but it can also be a strength his, his, his weakness was not saying it, was it? And then feeling annoyed about it. Yeah, the, so, the weakness so, was, was, was the weakness. not confronting her about it and just saying this is this is what it is. Or, yeah, or not yeah, not saying anything about it or being pissed off about it, but but still going through with it and not putting it to stop. I mean that that in some respects is a weakness because that means that you're going along with things hmm. and you don't want to, which hmm. is not a, a good thing if you're going into a relationship, is it really? If you're this someone that if someone says jump and you're like, oh, that's that's not good for you, is it? It goes back, but it goes back to that question again. Who are you? What are the things that make you you that are important to you? And those things that um, you don't compromise on, whether the regardless of the external forces on you to change uh, and to be different. I come from a family of very strong women. You, I'm sure you, you realize that really? yeah, I can talk and defend myself, right? I come from, I have 12 aunts, okay, and three, three, three uncles, and all of those women were strong, okay? And, man. And, <laughs> no, and I went to a girls' boarding school. So I don't put up with rubbish, okay? And yeah. I managed a fish farm with 50 men who used to give me no ends of trouble. So I'm not afraid of speaking my mind. Now for <laughs> many men, no, I'm telling you, and so men, that, that is a no, no, I do not make the grade. I spoke at my wedding and everybody looked around and said, she had to be the one who was different who spoke at her wedding. Women don't speak at their wedding. <laughs> I didn't. So all I'm saying is that I am comfortable with that. And if you don't yeah. like that about yeah, me, yeah, yeah. ta later, just nice knowing you. Because there'll come a day when I will stand up for you 
and you will love me for it because yeah, yeah. I have got your back. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But all I'm saying is that um, there are things about you as an individual, I believe that no matter what, you stand by your principles and whether somebody doesn't like you for it or otherwise, if it's important to you, you do not suppress it, you do not hide it, you do not compromise that part of you. You'll never be happy. Yeah. I got into trouble at work doing that though, so... I got basically signed off by a manager for mental health because I kept standing up to him and he didn't like it, basically. So I got chuckled. So, that, but I mean, that, I, the thing is, in the same situation, if it happened again, I'd do the same bloody thing again, basically, because I, I don't, on some things, I just won't compromise. Definitely. And I, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm Caltex, and my dad was a Scot, and I've got lots of Irish with me. Right, so they, they're they quite similar to the Caribbean, basically, in some respects. I'm bloody stubborn, and there's no way anyone's going to make me do anything if I don't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to keep the pace, but there's no way anyone's going to get me to do something I don't want to do. But not, but not everything's a deal breaker. I mean, I mean, I, I was going to say to Sasha as well. So there's a, there's a website that one of the dating websites that I went on was called Athen, and I think someone said it's owned by Match as well. I think so. It's like AFFINY, and I think it's part of Match, but it it's got quite a deep system of of matching you with potential people basically and it and it looks at it gives you quite a long report on on where you match but it also recognizes thing areas of difference where you complement each other because you can complement each other as well i think and like my 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 fiance my ex she, yeah, she and her, i'm struggling with learning how how to complement each other i think you i think it's quite i think it's about 33 pounds a month so it's quite expensive but the deal i got you got like three months free so I think I paid like 99 quid and I got like six months. But it's, it's a lot deeper than like match and stuff. I know, but I think I was on eHarmony for some years back for a while and no, they, go in, they, go, they go into quite, into a lot of depth. And I did, but I got out of it. I learned a lot about myself doing the algorithms and stuff. But a lot mm. of them are showing that these algorithms don't really work and stuff like that. And they're not. But you're still yeah, reliant on someone else. To, uh, sorry, you're still reliant on... Um, yeah, someone else to, to basically tell the truth, yeah. and people don't tell the truth. On it's, it's, it's difficult with, with, with them though, that they're so deep the questions that some of them I couldn't actually answer because it's based on like a score from like naught to five, and some of it I don't think I could actually give you a score because the question wasn't quite right for me, so I wasn't quite lying, but, but there was some when I actually looked at the report, like I was like, I'm not like that. But Which site is this? This was Athene, it's called. I did try it, but it, it was a lot deeper. A lot, lot deeper. I, I, mean, th I, I, think, haven't, I haven't been on eHarmony. I think the problem with those is we don't have the relationship knowledge to know. Um, and I've, I don't really believe in compatibility. Um, right. I think there's, a certain, there's some people you can match with, some people you can't. But I think it's... Mm. I, I talk about it as like slaying the dragon. And I think yeah. that's the missing part of the fairy tale is that the prince and princess meet, they have to slay a dragon and lift the curse. And the slaying the dragon is the unresolvable problems, um, money, sex, children, all those things is, okay, working out. It's not about that you have to agree. 
but it's why do you disagree? That takes you to a different level of connection. And it's then about, is this someone I can make a relationship work with? Obviously you need to have some level of shared vision. Um, But like, I don't think there's any like personality. um, There are some that are more um, valid and reliable than others, but, Typically, we, we don't have that much knowledge. You know, it's like so Alan you, said. If, if, you can is, communicate, if you can communicate well with someone, that is a sign of compatibility, no? Yeah. Um, and it's can you get to the level? And, and so really, um, a relationship isn't really solid until you have hurt each other and you know how the other one behaves. Because mm. until you're in that situation when you've hurt someone... Um, it's only then that you know, can you trust them? And I think you have to date and you have to allow people to maybe take advantage because it shows you um, that, you know, if you're strong and you know that they can't hurt you, you don't put yourself in any risk. But Mm -hmm. if you know you don't need anything from them, you're just seeing, will it work? Won't it work? It takes all the pressure off and people will reveal themselves and then what you're looking for is, is you can have different opinions. You're going to have different opinions because if you're looking for someone who's got the same opinions, you might find someone, but then 10 years, it takes you to find the bit that's going to split you, but it's, can you work with those differences of of opinions? Mm. So yeah, communication. And and that's acceptance, isn't it? Yes. Acceptance of yourself, acceptance of them, acceptance of the difference. Mm. And it's, it's Dan Wilde says, when you marry someone, you marry a set of problems. And it's knowing you can live with the set of problems that you've married. I think that, I think the key is, is, you know, there's a lot of people, I mean, I've got a, a core group. Well, yeah. A core group of like nine, 10 friends, like really good friends. Eight of those are in bad relationships. Some of them don't sleep together, haven't slept together for years. They argue, etc., etc. Yet they love each other. What is their relationship based on? It's based on fear. You know, if I leave this relationship, what's going to happen? You know, they're going to be worse off or they're going to kill themselves or they're going to be on their own or I'm going to be on my own or whatever. And that's why divorce happens because Mm. ultimately people get in the relationship with the wrong person. But that's not love anymore. That's not love anymore. No, that's, no, no. Depend- that's that's dependence. That's all sorts of. Exactly, exactly, and that's that. You know, the the divorce rate in this country is unbelievable, and that's why because people are with with other people out of fear. They're not there out of out of faith, out of love. Faith, mm. faith is another word for love. That's all that faith means. It's love. If you truly love someone then there is no fear. Fear doesn't exist in that relationship. And, you know, you, you can't stay with someone for the wrong reasons. I, I mean, I have got a friend, talking about fear, but I, I've got a, one of my best friends is a friend. But I, I, I've, never, I've only ever known him, I've known him for 25 years, and I reckon he hasn't been in a relationship for about a week. It's almost like he's afraid of being on his own, really. He, you know, every time he gets out of a relationship, he goes and he, 
And when he when he broke up with a girl he'd been with for sort of ten years, and they were fiance, you know, and, and we all thought it was going to work, and it fell apart. He was, you know, he was literally saying, right, that's it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go and do what I want to do, and I'm not going to get in a relationship for a while. Within a week, he was in another relationship, <laughs> and then he came straight out of that one, and then went into now with a girl that he's currently with, who he's been with quite a long time, basically. But. It's just almost as if he's afraid to be on his own. Well, I don't think, I, when you say it's, it's almost as though he's afraid to be on his own, I would say he probably is afraid to be on his own. Yeah, I guess he is. I, I don't, it's weird. But I'm an only child, so I'm used to my own company, I suppose. So, hmm. you know, I'm, and I, I, so, uh, I, you know, but I, I know a lot of people. He has so, reconciled his problems with the previous relationships, so he's bringing all of completely. that back into his new relationship. Totally. Hasn't Must given himself be. time to breathe. Right. And it can also be because they don't know how to deal with the pain of the breakup. Yeah, yeah. And it's just distraction replacement. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of, he probably is an alcoholic, and he's. Um, mm. I mean, I know he had, I know he had therapy. He did have, he did have quite a lot of therapy. But then, but then, funnily enough, he had he had a child with the current one, and then that seems to have mellowed him out. And I kind of always thought that fatherhood would probably chill him out, and it did. It gave him a purpose, I think, really. That he'd kind of been lacking, basically. But he's but still looking to... still looking for something external, though, isn't he? He's still going, right, I've got that child. Yeah. I've got that relationship. So it's the external to, to complement the internal. Whereas yeah. We have to we have to look towards ourselves to be comfortable within ourselves, That's and then because because ultimately if we are always looking for something else outside of ourselves to make us feel whole, when that external whatever it might be be it a child be it a relationship be it a job be it a house be it a car when that goes, then we're gonna have a huge gap in our life. Now, we we were having the same conversation earlier, Adam, and, and and I do agree with you. I, I, when I met my fiance or my girl, my girlfriend, with, who I was with for nine years, I was probably at that state. I was totally happy with myself, basically. Yeah. Now I've come out the other side of this, and I'm not so good again. So, it, but it, it it feels aspirational, I think. But I think you know, I, I've I've got quite a lot of friends who are probably a bit, you know, a lot of them are quite clever, and they're probably not not at ease with themselves. A lot of my friends, and I don't think they'll ever reach that point. I, don't, I think they'll always try to reach that point. But at least like me as well. I'm not sure I'll ever be truly happy with myself because it's not. But, but, but then you, but the future, the future is yet to happen. You know, you said you're 45. Oh, yeah, no, totally you, agree. you could live another 45 years, and and you're already predicting what it's going to be like. You said I'm not sure I'm ever going to be. Well, why why aren't you mm. sure? What evidence do you have? Well, in my in my respect, my in my case, it's because I, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, basically, I think, really, and that and it is really screwed up. The dogma that you learn, it, it, because it's based on guilt and it's based on you being imperfect, and it has really affected me. And, and as much as you try and get rid of it, it's it's like my hardwiring, my actual hardwiring. I mean, go. This is sounding like a counselling session, isn't it? It's, <laughs> kind of, it's kind of something that that has contributed to that. And, and my dad had the same thing. So I kind of feel that I've I've inherited a lot of psychological problems from my dad, basically, and and it's like I'm the generation that that's that's 
so it, it got me thinking that maybe each succession of a son and a father, maybe you're always trying to like, improve on the psychological problems of the parent in some respects. I don't know how it is for, for women. Well, and, well, you, uh, well I, I was brought up as a, a Protestant. Um, really? Um, well, that was... <laughs> enemies, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> but, you know, there's two, there's, the, way, the way I look at life is the two basic principles. You've got faith and you've got fear. Now, you can look at yeah. life from a fear perspective, which is, it hasn't happened. However, yeah. everything that is going to happen is doom and gloom. Or you can look at it yeah. from a faith. You know what? I've got no evidence to support this, this viewpoint, but everything yeah, will be fine. You can't rationalize I'm, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, sat on that sofa, and you're, you, you said earlier, you're 45, you don't have any kids, et cetera, et cetera. Now, yeah, if, you yeah. were to, if you were to continue with that mindset, well, that isn't going to be a positive mindset, and that's going to be doom, doom and gloom, and your future is going to be the same future that you predict in your head. So your present yeah, yeah, is yeah. negative, and your future. No, is going I, to be I, I don't want to sell fulfilling books. I don't understand that. But as well, you, sometimes you know, if you're scared of jumping out of a plane or whatever, you're scared of heights. Then sometimes that's just part of you, and and, and all the positive thinking in the world isn't going to. Change that. I mean, maybe I suppose if you went through therapy for like years and years and years, you might do it, and then you, you know. But yeah, but there's a different. You're talking about jumping out of a plane. No, no, but I do actually suffer from anxiety and depression. Basically, so sure. you know but what I mean. Depression, so that, that's something is, I'm coming to terms. But but I, you know, depression is fear of the past. And anxiety is fear of the future. Yes, and I, I have both. <laughs> yeah, but but there's a point wherein. Uh, you have to become uh, comfortable or you have to develop an understanding of a your coping strategy yeah. of what the difficulty is or may be. And yeah. you um, make accommodation for that. And that is, it, that becomes the new you or the, you know, the expanded version of you or the more mature or the more accepting yeah. whichever version of you you want to call it but it should make you be an improved version of what you were before you you understood what those difficulties um are and and you um have put them into that framework which is now you it is a part of you you have accepted it because we all have these corners where we have bits and pieces of ourselves yeah. um, that we are coming to grips with and um we're not fighting we're, we're we're not in a fight with it anymore it, it we accept that it's a part and parcel of us i am afraid of climbing certain places and going too high um but i can live with it and i do my own mm. thing and what have you um if i meet well actually i did meet a a, 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 a a soldier once who wanted to take me skydiving and all the rest of it to show me how wonderful he was but i, I was not having it sorry not going um needless to say i didn't make the grade because i am not a daredevil i know what i'm trying to say is that on the face of it somebody would probably call me a coward you know and or dare me and all the rest of it but I know my limits and I'm not going to do it. And I'm comfortable with being that way. But earlier on, you said something that I find quite interesting and that was the role of religion in your make, making and making you up mm. and the influence of that. And even though you have 
realize that it still has some power over your decisions and how you are in your life. Yeah, it's my well, it's it's my learned behaviour, I suppose, from a young from a young. I mean, there are many things I picked up in my young age, but you, know, you do the, the behaviour that the, the behaviours that you learn, you know, in your first seven, five, seven, ten, twelve years, sixteen years, probably. Some of them really do kind of hardwire you, I think, and you probably can overcome that. You you, you can overwrite it, but it's yeah. it is yeah it, it, it is unless we look at it. Maturity is, is really going back and revisiting yes. um, what we've done. But I <laughs> I think I think what um, the next one we'll do is like who are you, and we'll go on to like that personal foundations. And then we'll mm. do one on like slaying a dragon. I think there'll be two good themes. Yeah, it sounds good. That to look more in depth at. Because I think fundamentally, if we don't understand who we are and the both the internal and the external influences that govern how we behave and yeah. why we we react in certain ways or act in certain ways, then um, the gating the dating game um, will always probably not be as fulfilling as it could be. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's, it's a reflection of yourself, really. Yeah, and also your ability to give um, and to, you know, be receptive to another party because things that I suppose we're not comfortable with, we tend to close them off. So we have lots of little closed boxes where nobody dares peep in because we're not allowing them in. Uh, and, but we ourselves haven't been into some of those boxes for a very long time. So we don't even remember what's in there. We just know that they're closed. And it's to be brave enough to look at those things because sometimes they're not nice things that we have put away inside of those those those, those parts of, of, of ourselves. Yeah, I... I the panel think that that see honesty in a relationship do you think it's healthy to keep secrets from your partner should you have absolute total full disclosure or are you still able to have areas that you don't want to share well look at samson samson gave his shoe to delilah and what happened to him <laughs> And that, and, that, and that was done on the um, on the bed pillow, you know. <laughs> I have secrets. I have secrets from from any partner that I have. There are parts of me that yeah. nobody gets to see. Nobody, what or if it has happened, whatever it is, where I have a difficulty is if you create um, secrets within a relationship that have an impact or could potentially have a, be damaging to that yes. relationship. Though so that is a different story. But okay. what I did in a previous life before I met you, you're nobody's business but my own. <laughs> there's a big difference between truth and honesty. You know, huh? there's a big difference between truth and honesty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I agree. Two different states, you know. Does my does this dress look nice? Um, yeah, my bum look big. It looks okay, but I'm the other one that you've got. Or no, you look awful. You look, you know, it, it's clinging to the bits it shouldn't cling to. There's a big difference. Yeah. You've yeah. got to be tactful. 
you've got to be tactful and people do not like honesty as much as we want to be honest and we want to say you know what this is what happened don't people don't don't you're not respected for being honest but there's a language of honesty that we sometimes forget and if we're angry we can be brutal and or if we are spiteful or we want to be sarcastic or whatever it is that's going on at that point in time Mm. um yes honesty can be hurtful but you can try to impart it in such a way that it is not a dagger to the heart and so i think i think it's important to be able to build up a level of honesty if something's bothering you that's that could be shunned by the partner i do think it's it's important to build up a level of honesty to to say to the partner look i'd really like to be able to talk to you about this and for you to support me and help me with it and not does that make sense? I don't want mm. you to see this as a threat to the relationship or a threat yeah. to, I think yeah. that's important. Yeah, that's I how you get another if, layer of connection. If someone asked me a question, and, and I would be honest. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty honest guy. So if someone asked me a direct question, I would give a direct answer. Even if that answer was, I don't want to tell you this. And then I, and then I suppose if the person continued to push, then you don't, then I would say that whether the relationship was more important than the fact not being Okay, I was engaged before I got married to my husband. Okay, so two engagements. I have never spoken about engagement number one to husband number one. It's within the confines of that relationship. Yeah. Nothing inside of that relationship has any bearing on this relationship. Mm points in time to different situations to everything if i'm asked and it was open there's no it's not that it's hidden there was an understanding from the from day one there was this engagement i broke it off i was not going to live in the united states i was coming back to my country to live and so so the, the the essential facts were on the table but the details of the this and the what have you and whatever, no. And that's the difference between truth and honesty. Yeah, that's yeah. between me and that person. And I'm not going to create a picture of that person to yeah. justify anything to suit. And, and it could create problems. I mean, it, I mean, it is my public big in this again, isn't it? it? And honesty can create problems sometimes. Yeah. This was something I learned when I was in my last relationship. That before that, I thought that honesty was the best policy, and I came to realise that it isn't always the best policy. And that that's that that's where it comes down to judgment sometimes as well, because basically that's a narrative, isn't it? Yeah, there's so, so always nuance. We're, we're agreeing that people don't like truth, which means there's always a narrative. <laughs> there are certain things that you need to be honest about. Yeah. And there are certain things that should really not become part of your relationship. And in my mind, when you start to bring in a lot of extraneous material, a lot of tangential information, a lot of tangential issues, then you start to cloud the salient issues within your own relationship because these things now become part and parcel of that discussion, of that reality. And then you get into a situation where you can... um, Oh, but when you were with so-and-so, you did so-and-so. Or how is it that you said this to so-and-so and what have you and what yeah. have you? I'm not focusing on what it is between you two. And to me, that's 
it's not it's it's not germane um, to the relationship but mm. at the same time it's not about hiding um hiding things the, the real things that to me you need to be honest about are the things that are going to impact the relationship directly yeah well and the deal breakers as well what your boundary yeah. graph is, is important isn't it if you really have got a deal breaker something that you don't like then you know, i'm not sure you should move past that <laughs> like i know for example i am not a religious person I grew up in a religious country. There's a church around every corner with with a rock, with a bar beside it. Note, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, and everybody goes to church, except my father, who was brought up. Are you familiar with the Moravian movement? Moravians are from Czechoslovakia. They were Christians, and they were brought to Jamaica to teach. Yeah, oh yeah, to teach to teach missionaries to you know you teach the slaves to be yeah, yeah, yeah. and blessed are the peacemakers because they shall inherit the earth the, the heaven right but on life is wretched right okay fine so the moravians so he was brought up in the moravian church and my mother's english ancestors um came from the uk via canada as Methodist preachers and landed in Jamaica, met up with the um, some Welsh, you see, so you see I'm a mongrel, lots of things in me. Um, yes, met up with the Welsh landowners, married, the, brought the Bible, married them, took the land and built the church. And so Methodism, Moravian, whatever, was part of my background. I went to an Anglican school. No, yeah. I quite confused, but I started to question religion. The upshot yeah. of all of that background to you is that me being a religious, my husband is now finding himself turning more and more towards religion. Really? Yeah, he's becoming more religious. Yeah. And so that's a divide between the two of us to add to another layer. Yeah. And um, I, my discussions about religion, you know, my background is science, and so I come with that. And I'm discussing, I'm not denigrating any form of religion, but I look at all religions. That's what I'm curious about. So, yeah. you know, right. And they don't want to hear that. That's don't it's always the same thing so I, I bring that up because we are talking about um a lot about our you know what we like with people and don't like with people but that religion that religious background just like what you're saying is very very important because it forms a lot of the the, the reasons behind how you view the world and how you view even the term honesty and yeah. trust and respect and stuff. Embrace. Deep into it. Yeah, religious, the religious teachings that you um, grew up on have helped to formulate your viewpoints on those issues. Yeah. Well, um, that's, that's probably going to we'll use that for another um, meeting because I've got 
the evolution of connection. Um, and the first level is, is, is not even yourself. It's the sense of the universe who, who is there. Um, mm. So yeah, that, that, um, that's really good actually, because I've sort of come to the same view from, you look at a problem, you look at why is a problem, why is a problem, why is a problem. And at the root of it, comes like a sense of a spiritual a religious whatever in some way <clears throat> whether you're religious or spiritual or not you have to have make sense of why we're here and the big questions always come down to that um yeah. so yeah that, that's that's actually going to be that's a good idea but it's a shared sense of belonging isn't it as well yeah because well you've got to have the context what we were saying earlier about being happy in yourself because that's the modern way but, but you could argue, I mean, God, I might be talking about religion, basically, but, but obviously, you know, you could argue that as, as a person in a religious world, you're, you're wanting something that's outside of the you. Yeah, I mean, I mean for me, it's basically. not even religion. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's an answer to the big questions. Yes. Everyone, everyone has to answer that, whether you're scientific, whether you're religious, spiritual, you have to have some sense of that. I have quite a broad definition of religion. See, I, I consider football to be a religion as well. Okay. It actually ticks a lot of boxes. So I take the board view, basically. Mm. Connection and that. Because like, although I'm not particularly religious myself anymore, I'm still quite spiritual. I, I, I certainly haven't jumped on the bandwagon that religion is a really bad thing. It has made mistakes, yes, I agree. But, you know, and it, it isn't always the best at sorting out its things, but it, it does still have something to offer. Yeah. Like, for example, how to behave, you know, as Sandra says, how to behave towards each other, really. If you suddenly tear down those bridges and you don't have anything to replace it with, then it's going to cause problems in people's behaviour. You can't suddenly expect that Wayne Rooney is going to be the person who's going to set an example for people, you know. So. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's entwined with social. It's, it's entwined with society. It's the um, which is a problem and and. and yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's our, part of society. our whole system of law, you know, and, and the royal family and everything you know, that, that all, like, all that power comes from God. Mm. Yeah, if you're removing that God structure, then you're going to re remove the legitimacy of the royal family and the courts as well. Basically, yeah. sorry, it's probably too late to be discussing religion anyway. I think yeah. I am going to have to go. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, thank you for staying on. We have gone way over. Yeah, well, um, I think. You should but, really yeah. make it three hours, I reckon, Rob, because it seems to be three hours every time. Yeah. But, yeah. My cat, okay. really, my cat really needs feeding. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. And I think... Um, I, I, I think it's, it's allowing people who would otherwise not be able to participate. Um, it has given many of us the opportunity to do so. And I really hope that after COVID, well, I'm hoping that after COVID is over and done with, that we don't think that this was just a sort of um, a stopgap, but mm. that this might become part of a new normal wherein people, it allows people to come into the process um, because there's a richness of ideas and insights that come from this, that we, we could lose if we were to try to say we have to go back to the way it once was 
Well, you, you can't go backwards, I don't think. Because, yeah, because many of us probably would not be able to meet the way we are meeting now. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to meet up physically all in the same time and place. Yeah, yeah uh, hopefully. Okay, well, thank you for being on and look forward to catching up next week. You better warn your friend as well, Rob, that Sandra is going to give him a serious grilling on the data app, I, I bet. I'll make good viewing. I'll make good good viewing. Okay. Bye. Have a good week. You too. Bye bye. 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 bye.